We're here at the Bright Eye Brewery, Long Beach, New York. I'm with Mark Ellis. Um, so I was doing some, you know, looking up your story. You have a pretty, uh, like a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Not like, the normal lacrosse story for damn not, sure. Well, for <laughs> sure. You have one of the most unique lacrosse stories. Um, but I also saw that you have, like, your grandparents and like run me run me through that like all right so my, my dad's really from jamaica um <clears throat> my grandma's really from uh logan west virginia uh-huh. uh so my so my grandma's from logan my dad's from jamaica so my dad came from here from jamaica to new york my grandma actually ended up going to columbus ohio um with my grandpa they split um uh, my, my grandpa went to new york my grandma stayed in ohio um, and from there, my grandpa met a new a new woman. My, was what my grandmother called Elizabeth Silas. The reason I got the, another, the tattoo actually is for her. My grandma was born on my arm, so she pretty much raised me as a as, as a as a kid. My mom and her did. So my family your, gran- kinda, your grandmother and your mom. And my mom, yeah, kid. pretty much as a kid. Then my stepdad came in the picture. My dad was really never in the picture. Like my dad got in the picture late in my life, and we don't really have a great relationship still. But um, it's like a lot of my grandma, and my mom. So my grandma is one of twenty one. One of twenty. One of twenty one. Van, they call the Vanderhalls. So I have that tattooed on my arm too. Yeah. So and it's so crazy. They're one to twenty-one. Only nineteen survived. Two, the twins died in the backyard in the, in the potato patch. Her family was from. Her family went from. My step grandmother technically was from Greensboro, um, North Carolina, and they were tobacco pickers. So the more kids they had, the better money they uh-huh. had, which is pretty crazy. Well, I also saw your. Well, I was reading an article and it said your great grandparents were coal miners. Yeah, so my, that's what Logan, West Virginia. So they, okay. so my grandpa's side all coal miners. So it's so crazy. He got drafted to Vietnam. He said he he left to Vietnam so he wouldn't be a coal miner. So they would they would so they so would, he preferred war to his job. Yeah, so he I think he was in he was in Seoul, South Korea, for a while. So it was just so crazy to hear. When he I didn't hear about this till I was like probably like in my twenties. Mm-hmm. He's never talked about it. And I was just yeah. sitting there one day. I was like, like what what was it like? He's like. His grand, his dad died from the black lung. I stuff you read in textbooks. The black lung, yeah, <laughs> the freaking black <laughs> yeah. lung. Well, so but he, it's nuts. You know, yeah, that's why you're like, and being a you know, there's not a lot of black lacrosse players. Yeah. obviously, you know, so obvious. You're a black lacrosse player yeah. on the surface. In time, the goal is obviously where that that doesn't matter at all. Yeah, right. It's like there's a level of diversity in the sport where. No one's batting an eye. Yeah. But that's not the case, right? Yeah. Now, right? So it's – when I was preparing for this, I was like, I don't want to make the entire thing about that you're a black lacrosse player. Yeah. But so much of what makes your story unique is that. Does that, like, bother you? You know what I no, mean? Like, I, does I, that – It doesn't bother me. So I'm going to kind of revert. I kind of told story a couple of times. But I'll never forget. I think it was my junior, senior year. I went to Hofstra as a recruit. Coach Chandy brought me to his office. So you're a junior in high school? I'm a junior in high school. And I was like, I'm not playing lacrosse in college. I got some, I got some um, talks from Tillman, a couple other coaches. And I was like, they didn't really know what I want to do. I want to go to the NFL. But I, I went to his office, and he told me, show me the whole spiel about equipment. Like, we get so much stuff here. And I was like, uh-huh. this is cool. I want to go to the NFL. This is not what I want to do. Yeah. And he said, you could be one of few or one of many. And I was like... Hmm, 17 years old, like never got it. Um, got the prep school and I go, holy crap. So that was Tierney who said T- that? Yeah. And so crazy, Four, five years later, he took me to be a transfer. And he's like, this is one, this is kind of your moment, one of few. So meaning one of few, meaning one of the few black lacrosse players have an impact on a generation of kids. Or you could mm-hmm. be one of many football African-Americans and be and just a number. Um, he didn't say that because he's just a number, but 
it was obviously a lot of black lacrosse, a lot of black football players, a mm-hmm. few lacrosse players. So being that impact would be, it's, it, it definitely defined me. But for me, it's more so understanding the, the the level I have and what kind of what people look expect me to do. In a yeah. Way, so. it, it, well, it's also that's like a unique, like football. You're paid more. Yeah. There's the NFL. Who wouldn't want to be an exactly. NFL player? But there's like almost a problem to be solved in lacrosse that that's a unique opportunity to be like a representative yeah. of like your story about Jovan Miller when you're in high school. Oh yeah. I was like, that's that if people don't understand what it's wow. like, I, I remember on the bus, man, we're, we're playing, we break that down. Like yes, I'll break it down. T- tell that story. So we, so in my high school, with the Garantine high school in Long Island, Everybody's white. Yeah, <laughs> is everyone white at Garden City? Everybody. Mean, I know that Garden City is a wealthy town, white. but Everybody. off the field, I was I was the only black athlete on every team I played on. Really? Not. I didn't one. know that it was that. I was homogeneously the only, white. I was the token boy, like uh-huh. in high school. Like, so put it this way: my junior year, we lost to Jamesville to win the state championship. We had 21, 22 Division one commits. Justin Gutterding went to obviously he's out there now. Steven Jehelka, like. We had another couple guys who were goalie, right? Uh, he was a defender. Didn't we have no, 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 no. Wasn't your goalie uh, Dan Marino? Yeah, he went to UVA. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he was. So he really got me into lacrosse. Mm-hmm. But um, he he got he was the one who. Yeah. So his dad and him pushed me bad. Like Mark, you need to do this. And I was like, I started off playing pole. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, you were just feeling your way in. He was feeling my way in. So like, that dynamic for me was just different. I just want to hang out with my friends, but lacrosse is one of those things. Like I just like being competitive. Like, I, I wrestled in middle school. I wrestled in high school, and I ended up doing track. But lacrosse was always like one of the things, like the sideline thing. Like, my senior year, I, didn't, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to play my senior year lacrosse. So my best friend committed to Syracuse for football, and I was like, I'm going to go to prep school and just commit for football. Mm-hmm. Then uh, end up playing and win really? the championship. That's one crazy. Team in the so it's like I always had this. To so go back on your question, I've always been like this only black kid on my team. Yeah. The first time I played with another black person was in prep school. He's a goalie. And I was like. I had goalie. What was that interaction like? Prep school was wild. No, but th- I'm saying to like when you the only the first black person Whack. you play against is the goalie. Is there like a do you two talk about that? Is you, that like no? Like you're so young, like you don't even you don't realize it. Like without, so, kind of go back. I, I kind of I'm rambling, but the thing with Joe Von Miller, my junior year, we're on the bus playing about to play uh, Ward Melville, mm-hmm. and I tweet at him like. Hey Jovan, Mark Ellis here. Like being a being a biggest fan. Yeah. Like watching him Syracuse. Is it he was at Syracuse? He's at Syracuse. At the time. He was in his this is when he was ripping it up. Like yeah. he was a like he was a two way midi. Like he yeah, was yeah, ripping yeah. it up. So he had a he had a a style about yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Was, uh, Aggression like. Yeah. And it was like brass and I liked it. And, but I reached out to him and I'm on the bus sitting down and all of a sudden my phone like ding dings from Twitter and it's like Jovan Miller. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna put my your name on my on my helmet. And I'm like, so I'm watching, I think they play Duke or Princeton. I think we, I think it's Duke. I don't know. I think it's a Duke in the yeah, story. Yeah, I think it's Duke. Yeah. And it's Ellis on his, I'm like, what the hell? So he put your initials well, on his. Yeah, right flat out on his helmet. And he did, was there, that was all off a tweet that That's you That's off a tweet. Like, he, he, I think he saw me play against, I scored against Smithtown West. Uh-huh. And it was like probably on like Lax Power or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. That. Like something <laughs> like that, a little clipping of it. Uh-huh. And he's like, this is a great move. Good job, Mark. And like. He didn't put my. He didn't have my user. Cause my username used to be Token Boy. 
Your username? So you made it that. As we talk, as we talk, because kids would be telling me like I was talking, I was be my Twitter name. That's what I got. I see my Twitter name, and I was like, so you, I embraced it. Yeah, because I knew. I used to play against black high schools in high black high schools when I was uh-huh. in high school, and people were like you're that dude, like the people playing know, for Garden you're City, that dude. Yeah. So I go to other towns. See, one of my best friends from Elmont, and yeah. to this day they call me. They and call me. Elmont is a has a higher black population. Yeah, huge and, black. So population. if you're playing the Elmont lacrosse team, oh. are they all black? All black. Is it half and half? All black. All black. All black. And they and they know me from football. So uh-huh. they're like, oh, you're, I walked 23, and I was I walked 23 because my grandpa was 22. Okay. So I want to be after him. So. All my, my best friend now from two, three of my best friends from Elmont now to this day, they're like, dude, you were you were it. You're the token black kid. <laughs> like that's what it was. And yeah. I, I kind of embraced it because it came to a point where it was deny it or make good use of it. Mm-hmm. So at, the, at that point, like I grew up in a place where being black and being in the Garden City was like it was a threat. But now, like I was in a point where I was the athlete. I was all county, all state. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, oh yeah, I'm that guy yeah. in Garden City. Like, the, so the guy that the image that people really see for Black people, I'm total opposite of what you think. Because I was good academically, I was good on the field. Uh-huh. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a, a, a asshole. So like for me, it was just like well, I you, embraced it a lot. Well, yeah, you talk. You're saying not what they think. You were yeah. saying that I, was, you're, I wanted to make sure everybody knew that I was pe- total opposite of people had perspective. Well, now it's like pe- you said people ask where you work yeah. and you're like Princeton mm-hmm. and then people look oh, at you. Yeah, yeah that you, you know what I mean? You're saying that people are like Princeton. Like what? You're a prince. You don't seem like a Princeton yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're not. You're like yeah. this is where I ended up. Though, yeah. Right? So I started in a place that wasn't exactly Princeton but Yeah, not at all. Like so Princeton is a, Princeton's a great place where a lot of diversity happens. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I, would ne- I never saw myself at Princeton. Um, not to say that I, I didn't want to, but yeah. the way I grew up, and it, it was so far out. Like, my mom always said go to college, but it was never like, when I went to my friend's house and their parents talked about college, it was like, we're talking about Colgate. We're talking to talk about um, Bentley. We're talking about, it was options. For me, it was like, going to go to college, Mark. Yeah. Well, was, so the Joe Von Miller thing, just so anyone who's listening that doesn't know who Joe Von Miller is, most of them probably will because yeah. it's lacrosse people, but he's a black lacrosse player. Two-time, who, I think one of the first, two time, the first two-time All-American, black All-American since Jim Brown at Syracuse. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> a very good lacrosse yeah. player in his own right. Yeah, 100%. But, th- like, that story is such evidence of, like, what it's like to be black in the sport, right? You're one kid who tweeted at him, and he put your name on his helmet. On my helmet. Do you know what I mean? Like, how, how often is it, like, that connection wouldn't happen with two white players because there's so many white players. So the fact that he he saw you, and he you were a young him, yeah. and he was like, I'm going to... We rock the same number. It was just so cool to have him, and, like, I was looking for the air where it was... Two, the two of the two of the goats, for my opinion, were Shamel and Ramel at Huntington. Yeah, and it was like who didn't like watching them? <laughs> and it was like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, and but it was different because they were. I'm a good athlete, but they were just like I, I saw them like as AI. Like those guys were like they bro, were. <laughs> it was yeah. it was crazy. So when Joe Vaughn did it to me, I was like, for them, they were like almost uh, the cream of the crop for me because I never, I've never seen a black lacrosse player live ever. Like when I was that young, ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it live until I played in college, like live. Yeah, like, I think people just don't. They don't. People, people, people do not understand, do understand that. Like, when you're at like, tournaments and you're the only black legs out there. Yeah, 
And just you as a kid watching, right? It's like I watched Kyle Harrison in college, and he was my favorite player. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was black was unique to me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I did like that, but why he resonated with me is the total opposite of why he resonated with you, right? I was like, oh, he like there's not a lot of black players, and this guy's doing his like he's an icon in the sport. But for you, right, it's the total opposite. You're like, I'm gonna do that. Hundred percent. It was watching the film and for me it was so like relatable because I'm like I'm be real real not be open about this but like I thought every black kid went through the same shit I went through like I thought every mom every every mom worked double shifts Mm -hmm. every dad wasn't in the picture like I thought so I met my friends from Elmont and all their parents were married and they're black Mm -hmm. and it's still together I was like like Kyle Harrison's parents are married, like Joe Vaughn's parents are together. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, like what am I? It was a really reality check for me because I didn't go up in a place where marriage was a thing. Yeah. Like, so well, for me, so like I had these guys who are black, but have different background. It was so unique. So I'm like, am I different? Or are they different? It was just like, a, it was an identity issue for me. Not in the sense that like I was struggling with who I am, but struggling like, hey, like, how can I make this the best situation for myself and work this out? Because mm-hmm. he got successful and they had parents, but they had different situations. That was my, my biggest outcome of it. Like the situation really didn't matter. So how you want to approach it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And you, you know, that's a, the reason, that, well, I found a video. That's how I met you, yeah. right? I saw a video on the MLL's YouTube page. And it was the story of how you lived on the border of Hempstead and Garden, and Garden City. City, which for anyone listening, Hempstead is a mainly black well, is it mainly black yeah majority black and hispanic community yeah so it's a minority community lower economic yeah. status and then r- right next to garden city which like you said everyone's wealthy everyone's white and the dinner discussions are like you know are we thinking colgate or yeah, are we thinking like, it's but different. like that's what rich white long island yeah and you know it's not like Every rich person is white. It's just yes. like that's kind of what a lot of the. But that's the, my perspective. Like I literally, I would walk ten yards. It'd be you see concrete to thousands of trees. Uh yeah. And it's like what the, but it was just different. About half my block went to Garcia, half my block there. And I mean half. It was like yeah. So how does middle. that? How that? Yeah. How did? did so I lived. Did on, you just get to choose? So I lived on. I lived on a, de- on a dead end, Veneta Court. So okay. Dead end. It was like a circle, like um. Um, dead end. No one oh, dead called like a cul de sac at yes. the end. Yeah, at the end. Uh. So what happened was there was no there's no house on the end, but the houses it was I never forget it was a, a sewer cap in the middle, uh-huh. and from that side Hempstead had outside of Garden City, and the, all the houses on the left were all two family shared houses. So they had double doors, one up apartment upstairs, one apartment downstairs. And that's Hempstead. And that, and that was Garden City. Oh really? Or Hempstead, but it was Garden City backyard. Oh. So okay. that's school district. And the right side was Hempstead. So we all hang out together all the time. Mm-hmm. When school came around. We all walked to the corner of the, of the cul-de-sac and split off. So you you actually, your house was actually in... In, in Hempstead. I was a resident of Hempstead. And my backyard was the Garnsey School District. Oh, but but you had the choice. You could go yes. either way. Yes. So you consciously made that. Oh, yeah. I didn't. My mom made it. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think, well, I mean... Yeah. But so she, you, she made a, a great choice. And I think the biggest thing I, I, I learned from that is how to balance both. Because mm-hmm. I was going... Did I've you been, face any flack? Like, did people, yes. like your friends, were they like, you're really going to go oh, to Garden so City? My, my, my first big interaction as a young, young kid was I played for Hempstead Tigers football. Uh-huh. And girl, all my friends played for Garden City Thunder. 
I attempted to play. They tried to recruit me to play Garden City Thunder, but my house was in Hempstead. Mm -hmm. But my school district was in Garden City. So the guy came to my house, brought me a jersey, realized my, my address was Hempstead, brought me outside, put the jersey on, took it off me, walked back, and never came back. Just because he realized you couldn't play for him? See, I, played, I played in Garden Six. My backyard was in Hempstead. So you didn't have a choice in so, the football. So I played for Hempstead football, and we played against um, Garden City. And all my friends called me from Garden City called me Mark. No one in my family calls me Mark. They Where call me Tayshawn. Tayshawn. Tay. Why? Because that's my real name, Tayshawn. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, Tayshawn. Oh, because so I got to call you Tayshawn because I'm MTE calling you Mark. <laughs> my, my, MTE, my, my Instagram is MTE Ellis. So, like, and my mom was like, hey. So, like, is that Mark Tayshawn Ellis? Yes. Okay. So, like, I was wondering what the MTE so, was. So, no one, so going to Garden City, like, the odds of someone calling me. Not Tayshawn compared to Tashawn, Tishawn. Uh -huh. So Mark, my dad yeah, name is Mark. You just so, simplified it. So like these white so, people so are so gonna I'm, just butcher I'm, that. We get off the bus at Hempstead, and we had that age. It's called like midget football, Euro league football. We had a weigh in, so we weighing, weighing in, and he got all the the white guys like I went to school with, Garden City. Yo, Mark, yo, Mark. Uh, and all my friends looking around. I'm like, and I'm so <laughs> nervous, and I'm like this, like not ignoring them. Yeah, ignoring. And they're like. Tayshawn, sure, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> and I was like this. All my black friends are going to know. Yeah. They would have known I go to Garden City. Yeah. And at that point, they found out. And they were like, since when do you go to Garden City? And I got slack for that. Like, uh -huh. you know, these white boys. And I did, was that, like, did that fade where it was like faded, you, were, that, you were cool and bold? It faded because I got really good at football. Uh-huh. Okay. So. And it, it helped out. And I ended up um, obviously going to Garden City High School. So I saw these guys again. And it, that's too my horn. But I ended up in the paper a lot. And my friends were like, Oh, because I started playing. I was playing like guard in, high, in elementary school. Uh -huh. like, now I was a running back in high school, and all my friends in, from football at Hempstead were like, "Where did this guy come from?" And it was just kind of that dynamic. And I got respect playing football and being an athlete. But growing up, it was just like my black friends were like, kind of like, "Whoa, you go to Garden City?" And my 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 white friends were like, "You play with Hempstead guys?" It was, uh -huh. just, it was that. But I. I 11, 10 years old, it was really confusing. Exactly, trying to figure it out, trying to navigate out. that. So the next, we played Saturday, and the next Monday, I went to school Garden City. I see all my friends be like, yo, why didn't you say anything else, Mark? And I was yeah. like, uh. We heard them call you. <laughs> they call you Tay, they call you Tay Sean. What's Tay Sean? The day was like, oh, Tay, Tay, Tay. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God. Yeah, well, it's like that would exist even in, in two, like if, Elmont was next to Hempstead. Mm -hmm. You'd have that dynamic, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you're going to a different, but the fact that it was like, a black and a white school, 100%. and like you said, you said in your interview, black meets white, uh, Democrat meets Republican. Yeah. You said some other. There was uh, you made a lot of good Rich points. Poor, about, yeah. yeah, exactly. Of like that juxtaposition of like two different worlds. It's like at a young age that must have been like crazy. you. You didn't even know how to. I, I the one another thing. Like I was going to my friend's house after school, and I would see snacks in the refrigerator, and I'd be like, "Dude, this is crazy." And it's, people think I'm crazy for saying that, but mm -hmm. like, I used to go home and be nothing in the fridge. My mom worked double shift. She'd come home, she'd bring home pizza, whatever she had to do. And I, I'm one of seven siblings. Mm -hmm. So, like, my sister watched, my mom, my sister cooked. Like, my friends had ramen noodles at the house. I was devouring those at their houses. You're like, why do you like ramen so much? But it was like, at the, at I the, just like food. But at the corner <laughs> store, it was it was 16 cents. Yeah. So you, yeah. Bought, you bought a dollar back there, and he was like, you were the man. My sister got chicken, I got I got beef, my brother got like oriental. I know the flavors off the jump. Like, we, that's how we did it. But like, I go to my friend's house, and he'd be like, snacks, yogurt, dom, like, uh, I like the, I like the beef. Oh, they yeah, all oh I love those too. But the ramens Yeah, are, but they had all that kind of stuff. And the, I was like, the silver packet. Yes. Sometimes you take a little touch of that. Touch of that. Yeah. Boom. 
But it was that dynamic, and I'm going back home and didn't have that. So, like, I would come home sometimes, and my mom was like, are you hungry? I'm like, no, I ate. She said, where'd you eat from? I was at my friend Ryan's house or whatever. She's like, all right. Oh, we raided their fridge. Yeah, we destroyed them. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just that dynamic. My friends were yeah. like, it was just a different total dynamic from yeah, yeah, two-car yeah. garages and all that kind of stuff. Just, like my, 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 my sibling couldn't fathom that. Because mm-hmm. my, my siblings were young at the time. My older sister um, graduated. She was there in Garden City for like three years. She's, pretty, she's, old, she's seven years older than me. So she really had that Garden City like, background. Like I grew up from elementary school all the way up. So it was like I was in it for mm-hmm. her. She was she was in high school. She what got year out. was it that you went into um, Garden City School? Nine. Well, not, not oh ninth grade. Not, no, nine, nine oh, years t- old. Oh, since nine so, years old. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. But I was going back and forth. But the whole my whole life, I was going back and forth between Hempstead, like um, preschool. My mom in Little Ohio, time so Ohio. So that was just a different dynamic as well. Yeah. But. Well, you talked about like I, I saw on a previous interview you talked about like being a product of your environment and like how important the environment is huge say you didn't go to garden city high school are you like what does the path look similar like do you still think you come out as you or you come out as maybe someone a little bit different i'm gonna say this and and my odds are not my favor i've 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 three brothers two of them were incarcerated one's still incarcerated for 100 years, my younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how, what is the age, like, what's the range of, so my, young, younger, my, younger, my younger brother, Michael, he's turning 21, June 15th. My brother, Corey, turns 22, June, he's, who's incarcerated now for 100 years, June 26th. Brother, Daquan, just turned 28, Ju- January 6th. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I just turned 27. Oh, okay. So, it was either, my brother, got, so my brother got locked up, Daquan got locked up, and it was like, you could either pick a side for my younger brothers. It was me at the time. I'm a year younger than him. So it was like it's college sports or street life. Uh-huh. My brother Corey, who's the, sec- the third youngest, uh, second youngest, picked my brother's side, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went from there. But a part of your vibe has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that was a conscious decision by them where it's like, I'm going to pick this side? Or you just think the poll was yeah, the pull, gravitation? Pull cra- the poll is crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that, like, I always did because I had athletics. My brothers weren't athletic as me and weren't. This determined as me, not to say that they weren't determined in their own way, but like I found love in sports. Like uh-huh. I, used to, I used to loved it. My brothers did, but it wasn't like how I did. Like yeah, my mom, my grandma put it into like you're going to be special some way or how. And for me, I was going to figure that out through athletics. For them, it was just my brother Corey's really good at sports, but it was just I guess this, the temptation, the temptation of hanging out with friends, yeah. being 15, 16 years old. It's hard when all your friends aren't doing the right things. So mostly uh-huh. friends are doing. In Garden City, like, if you weren't studying at study hall, you were, like, the weirdo. If you weren't applying to college. Was that the way it was there? Yeah, it's so, like, you were, you, like, if you weren't going to college, like, you going to Nassau Community College or was a, you were, oh, my God, you were, like, a disappointment in Garden City. Mm-hmm. And, like, in Hempstead, you go to Nassau, I was like, whoa, congratulations. Like, no joke. You passed high school's congratulations. Yeah. So for me, going to Garden City, it was like it was man. I mandated myself I was going to college. I was athletic enough. I knew, and just had to figure out my academic barriers because I wasn't a great student in high school. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that's like just that comparison you just gave. That it's you get a congratulations for graduating high school, and then you get looked down upon for going to community college within a few blocks of each other. Exactly. Is like. Just a walk, like you being on the border of that. I'm, 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 the, I'm the only person in my family graduated from college. I have, a, I, have a, I have a master's degree too. So for me, it's like, 
You always knew you wanted to do that? Like Hell get, no. Like, yeah, so at what point was it like, oh, I'm going to do this? I told my ACL my junior year in college, and uh-huh. I realized, like, this lacrosse shit ain't going too well. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I mean, like, what, at what point were you like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to – that was that very early? So very early because it was a football because I okay. thought I was going to football. My grades weren't that good, and I realized that when um, I uh, semi-taped to the to the Harvard coach. Mm-hmm. and uh, Football or lacrosse? Football. Football. What are your grades looking like? And I was like – we talk about grades. Yeah. What do you mean? Look at the <laughs> like highlight tape. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm from New York, so it wasn't like I was like a Texas recruiter or anything, but it was just like one of those things where I realized like school has some part to do with this. So yeah. that's when I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. Um, and I was fortunate enough to not pay for school, so I had a lot to do with it. Um, but I wanted to pay at the highest level. Like mm-hmm. it was either D1 football, D1 lacrosse, and just lacrosse just having to work out better. Yeah. You were telling me that you – and, you know, we – you that you buy books for your brother who's yeah. incarcerated. Yeah. Um, what's the? Is that just very important to both of you? To him? Like obviously you setting aside some money to buy books for him. Yeah. Is, like how did that begin? How did so that? when he was incarcerated, he was incarcerated in Nassau prison here in Long Island. Uh-huh. Then he got moved. He got sentenced. He got moved to upstate. Now I think now he's in Attica now. But it was more so that he was just like, hey, I want to read some stuff, like, how, how can I manage it? Because you get there and you, with COVID, like, law li- library access was shut down. And the books I sent, I can't send directly from me. I have to send them to, like, Amazon or something so they can open it up and observe it. Yeah. So for me, it was like, hey, what do you want to read about? And he, he would text me, like, hey, I want to get into fashion. Yep. And I'll find, like, like almost like, what do you how to, um, fashion for dummies. Like, I'll send him stuff like that. Like, yep. just to get him going. Like, he's got, his, he's got his GED. So for me, it was just, like, as much as you can learn in there and educate yourself, like, you won't get bored. And obviously, like, the long days, I get it. But it was for more so for him and me to feel like, hey, I might read the book before him or look online and have some insights. So we can and have, then you have a connection. Have yeah. a connection. Like, it's, it's, it's awesome. He calls me almost every day. Yeah, because so I saw that you also on your Instagram, yeah. you have a book where you're putting up yeah. the books that you read. Yeah, and those are, some of the books are – the books I can get to him, I get those books to him. Mm, yeah, I that's – So we have some mutual stuff we talk about. Even with music, kind of just go off the rails. But like, he'll call me and goes, what's the new music? And I, I sit on my phone and I just literally – little Bobby Schmurda, you sound like you sound on that. And play him all new music off my phone. So the like, phone calls Oh, music. you play it for him. Ten music. So he doesn't oh, – yeah, Is there a way that – So he plays – I play it through my phone. So okay. I phone, like go to Apple, go to Spotify, and just play on the phone. And then he can hear it. Hear it. So like he'll call me. Side story, he'll call me and goes – Hey, Tayshawn, like I heard this music while I was in the bus moving from jail to the court. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing it to you. Do you know the song? So he'll sing it to me because he heard it from a car next to him. Yeah, yeah. He was like, that, and what is sing, that? And he's, and he's singing to me. I'm like this. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself. I'm, I'm You're playing like, Shazam. Hey, but, but literally, I'm on my YouTube. I'm on YouTube typing out every word he's saying, like trying to figure <laughs> it out. And I'm clicking play. And he goes, no, it's not it. Click play. It's not it. It's funny stuff like that. That, that is that is a unique connection yeah, it's a for unique, sure. It's hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it just all you know. Your the the story. We'll we'll get into the the Princeton Bobby yeah. Schmurda yeah. situation <laughs> later because that's just uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that yeah. is the culmination. Um, so you went to after Garden City. You went to Westminster. School, you Westminster School. Where is that? That's in Simmonsbury, Connecticut, outside of Hartford. Yeah, what was that like? Because I, I was, you know, I thought Garden City was rich. That's what I mean. I thought Garden City was rich. But it's like you keep one upping your own <laughs> like yeah. level of. Yeah. It's like Garden City, and then you go to there, and then obviously you're at Princeton now. Yeah. But like, what what is prep school like? Because I know people who went to prep school, and I know 
I kind of have a general read on the, the types of people that go to prep school. But the idea of taking one more year, it's almost like a – is it kind of like going to college? Post-grad, it's like, it's like, it's like a, a 13th year, actually senior year. Uh-huh, yeah. So it's, it's a very different situation where my college – my high school coach named Tom Fowley passed away. But he was like, hey, I got a, a connection at prep school. Are you looking into it? And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's an extra year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, at this point, I want to go to the NFL. So I was like, oh, extra year if he's playing. Like, I don't have some my eligibility. So I, I, took, I took that, played football there, played lacrosse there. But it was just like a different atmosphere. Six days a week school, uh-huh. half day Wednesdays, half days Fridays. And is it like uniforms and stuff? Shirt and tie every yeah, day. Yeah, because I, I wore a uniform in high school, so yeah. I know the struggle. Shirt and tie every day. And it was How does of, this relate to? It was just, <laughs> what? it's a school, but yeah. it's just the, the mantra. We had, like, I think we had like 300 kids there. Yeah. Very small school, but we had like some, we call them day walkers. The guy who came in the day school. Mm-hmm. Oh, the leave. ones who didn't stay overnight. We didn't stay, called yeah, day walkers. Yeah, yeah. But it was just a different, unique, like, I never forget a kid threw away his uh, his Brooks Brothers suit jacket because he had ketchup on it. And I was like this. Even if I can't fit it, I'm picking it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like that that situation. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Like, the, like a lot of the kids come from like Greenwich, um, inner city New York, um, all over. But. Usually places that they've been in prep school sometimes since seventh grade. Yeah, they've been yeah. The uniform's they, nothing to them. Yeah, they've been in prep school since seventh grade, away from the parents from seventh grade. Uh-huh. And for me it was just like this is a year all this is a year to kinda of gain athletically and figure things out. Um, which is pretty cool. But it's just a different atmosphere from the situation. it's almost like it was almost Princeton Princess esque. All those kids go to Nescax or mm. um That was your, that was your official first year at Princeton. Oh, that was yeah. the, that was the real prep. Yeah, those 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 are uh like Fifth generation Ivy League students. Fifth yeah. generation. Um, They've got the. Uh, yes. A numeral after the name. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, so you're a D MIDI. Yeah. Right. I like your attitude on D MIDIs in general. I feel like D MIDI is the least glorified position because you got a few goalies. Like I talked to Blaze Reardon, yeah. who's a goalie in the PLL, yeah. and uh, he's trying to, you know, up the status of goalies. Right. 100%. He's like, we're underappreciated. We're under, which is true. I mean, every, everyone would agree. Face-off guys, you know, you've had a few face-off guys come through where Greg Grenlian was like an MLL MVP. And then it was like, are we doing this? Are we, <laughs> are we, doing this right are we, now? are we giving them credit when we all know they deserve credit, yeah. but it's kind of like an underappreciated position. And then I was like, D Mitty seems like the next in line next, to be, line. because uh, Longstick Mitty there have been, like, Joel White was oh. midfielder of the year. The kid at Virginia was the midfielder of the year as a long stick yeah. this year. Where it's like, you know, you love to see that. I feel like D. Mitty is you, – you compared it to cornerback in football, yeah. which cornerbacks get the credit they deserve in football. Yeah, but so, it seems like D. Middies do not. So I was, I, was, I was placing it more in the sense of, like, I think a lot of defenses need to do a little differently about who they have um, D. Middie-wise when you come to specializing what your defense is. Because a lot of people don't realize that you got have a really sick um, down low guys, but your D media are getting dodged 90% of the time. Yeah, exactly. So you need to base it off what those guys are really good at. So comparing it to corners, like you have a, if you have someone like Darrell Reeves in his prime, like mm-hmm. you can say Ty Warner, for example. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, don't worry about him. Like put him on the side. But if you have two yeah. guys who are almost soft, cover uh, three Reeves corners. Island, they call it. Exactly. Yeah, so you have, you have like cover three, like D, like D minis kind of say. Guys who do their job, go down the alley. We have to kind of change that up. Like it's talking obviously differently. It's it, almost the starting point. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's so like, like here's where the 
inevitable hole is going to begin. Exactly. How do we plug the leak? Guys aren't guys aren't usually unless you're obviously a really talented talented uh, attackman or midi. You're going to attack the pole all the time. It's just, it's just more convenient to move the ball, get a step on the D midi, two two passes over, then attack now. Yeah. So for me, like I always I think of it as a deep, as a, as a cornerback position because it's like we don't emphasize how much. Our defense is worth because the cornerbacks. Defense can be sick up front with their the guys who smoked in the secondary. Secondary yeah. are smoked all the time. That's what obviously the NFL we have in a passing league now. Lacrosse almost the same if it's like you won't do anything. And that's a big hole. So for me, I feel like people need to emphasize it more. Not the fact I'm not asking for more glorification, but I'm asking mm-hmm. just, hey, like, we need to put more emphasis into it. And I had a I had a obviously a talk on US Lacrosse about it. And I said I compared it to um, cornerback, but a lot of the footwork stuff we need people need to work on is like cornerback esque. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. To be, I think you need to as much as you want to be a system guy. I guess you want to be capable to hold stuff on your own. Obviously, it's, yeah, that was a great point that yeah. I thought you had. Where you it's would, like, who's more instinctual, right? A very talented offensive midi who you know is like if you watch a guy an offensive midi who's easy to guard a guy who's like doing a right to left split and then that's it like yeah. a, D, a good d midi is going to keep up with them yeah but the guys who are like shifty th- those guys are moving off pure instinct and yeah. you know don't know what they're gonna do who's more instinctual the guy making the move or the guy on d who can keep up with yeah them, you know what i mean so yeah. it's like there's like two layers there 100 where i think you make a good point where it's like you want d midis who are Almost more athletic than the shifty out of the box 100%. invert attackman. Yeah, my, my biggest thing when I, when I, I I'm a cop of did a midi like I like to close the space, but I think a lot of guys, the really good deep midi, they close the space really point to they they create where they want the guy to go. And most guys, I'm saying most guys, a lot of guys can't do that. Uh huh. But it's okay if you can't. But my thing is you have to know what kind of deep midi you are. But no one and then tells you, you tell that. Your game then you tell them. your game to that. But everybody think has. It was like, we need to have shut down D minis. Sorry, I'm not Ty Warner. I'm not Kevin Anderson this prime. I'm not some of these guys mm-hmm. who are extremely well on ball all the time. But you should be a good D midi. Like yeah. for me, for example, I think I'm, I think I'm decent on ball. But I think my my goal, my my aggression, and my push up field is where I I, I XL at. Yeah. Like I'm, I think that's where you have to realize that you might have guys who something basketball and football guys who are like who are running gun guys. Yeah. Guys who can move up and down. It's like almost. Was at Brown a couple of years ago with uh, Matt Kemp, Malloy. Yeah, they the were just like just took off down the throat, down the throat. Like yeah. the Mitties didn't. Once they ball was shot, they took off. I love that style. Of yeah, play. I love that style of play. But I think a lot of it has to be with going back to full circle. It, it has to be D Mitties. Like, yeah, it's those, like the philosophy itself. You're yeah. right. Is like I feel like the the approach to D or at least mine, and take it for what it's worth, because I couldn't play D Mitty to save my life. But um, <laughs> is like what is a good D-Midi and then make some on that. Whereas you're saying that in the same way that like what is a good D-Midi is a naive question. That's like asking what is a good attackman. Yeah. You could have a guy who can barely run but is a behind-the-back finisher or, you know, a Canadian guy. And then you could have a Michael Sowers who's quick, small, yada, yada. It's like we, I feel like there's almost a naive approach to defensive midfield where you're saying there's a lot of ways to be good at it. And then you just look at that guy and say, all right, look, He's going to get beat yeah. because the, the, even the best guys are going to get, get beat. beat. Where is he going to get beat? And then we tailor the defense around that. So it's almost like this is the the, the, the D-Middies are the first line of defense, yes. right? It's like this is your infantry out front. Yeah. You're like, listen, they're going to go down. How are we going to recover from 
that. And I think we, we do a lot of things in lacrosse world, excuse me, in lacrosse world where you have attackmen, and we're perfectly fine with the crease attackman who has to hand the ball. No, uh-huh. one, no one complains about him. We know his job. Yeah. We know who I mean, for three years, I couldn't do anything. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> it's like, what does that guy do? But, oh, he just quick sticks things into the goal. But, but we know your job. You have the yeah, guys yeah, who are initiators. Exactly. Yeah. Or the D-middies. Or even um, download defensemen. You know, you're the talker. Yep. You're the takeaway guy. You're going to slide. You're going to slide. Gonna, yeah. D-middies, they go, yes. Oh, I just guard him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what the... You're you're onto something. Yeah, like, just, I'm like, but no, 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 no. Like people get so mad. Like, why can't you cover this guy? Well, I'm not this good at that guy. How about how about we switch up something else? Yeah, I can guard a big guy, or I can I guard can a dodge ninety percent. So you should guys be doing yeah. it for me. You're not just going to be a chameleon who can guard every type exactly. of threat that's coming. If that's in. the case. We all we be all four time All Americans. Yeah, like, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. But that's not the case. I think that we have to emphasize. Hey, like, just because you're not a, a shutdown D mid doesn't mean you're not a good D mid. Because I know yeah. guys who are. Good shut down who suck in transition who can't play on the wing okay people ground ball okay do you want to take that guy down there now do you want to like so you at that at that point as a coach i think you have to figure it out but i think I, my thing is just putting more emphasis on the position detailed wise yeah that makes sense what do you think in terms of a defensive midfielder is like the ideal athletic body type and like if you look at a corner or you look at a wide receiver there's obviously yeah consistencies to what Goalie is a position where in lacrosse where like it doesn't seem to be a there's yeah. no, you know you get a little guy a gentleman yeah. and then you get like a larger guy and you're like all right well there's no yeah. consistent athletic specimen what do you think the best D midi looks like is he f- or you think that that's naive of me to ask no, and that it could no. be anything in, in I think I think it could be a little bit because we have, have a couple of different types of D midi but mm-hmm. I'm gonna say my pitch perfect D midi size and range probably is probably like someone like Zach Goodrich mm-hmm. how tall how big is he he's probably like six one. Six one. You, you, and I, this is me going back to cornerbacks, but you're big enough to, to guard hold, the big guys. Guard big enough, but not small, and, and but athletic enough to stay with the smaller guys. Guard, so like for example, guard Welker. Like, exactly. Yeah. For for example, like, corners who are six four don't do that well when it comes to shifty guys. Yeah. Are there any corners who no, are six no, four? They used yeah. to be back in the day, but not okay. not so much now. But yeah. now you have corners who are around five ten, five six six one, six two, maybe six three, like Richard Sherman. But you have these guys who can do both, but a guy like Zach Goodrich, who's very rangy and enough to say, hey, I could take up a lot of space. Yeah. But for a different example, like I'm only 5'10", but I think my, you have to be, you have to know who you are and be confident in what you do. I, I'm, I'm an aggressive player. Like I like to push the envelope. I like to push transition. Some guys like to just do the job and go up the field. Yeah. But I think it has to mobilize. But I think being a, a rangy six foot athletic kid who has an offensive prowess yeah like the idea of playing offensively in his head meaning on defense uh-huh. if that makes sense it's like hey i'm gonna initiate the ball i'm gonna attack the ball drive him down rather than just take what the guy's always giving you yeah in another sense so i think that's that's what I, that's my key point of demitties to be advocate what you want to do and what you're good at but use that i think a lot of coaches and a lot of i mean i guess it's your, it's your fault for going to the situation for the coaching i guess mm-hmm. but it's more so like you know what you're good at like use that like I yeah. knew, like coaching allowed me to to run in space. Like it wasn't always pretty, but like now that now the defense always knew thirty four is coming down. Yeah, you he's got gonna him. pull it. He's, he's in, yeah. and, I, and even if I miss, I, you know I'm gonna pull. But that's doesn't matter. He's back pulling up for it. When I played when I played my senior year at Hasha, it was like Mark's gonna come down. One and die, I could pass it to Ryan Tierney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, like if I don't pull it, I ex- just drop it off. Exactly, yeah. drop it off. But like that's that's the big thing, um, which is cool. Yeah, I like that, and I think it's becoming. 
Not, not I think it's a fact. It's just becoming increasingly important to be able to push it on the offensive end. Like, yeah. The specialization is being phased out where a D-Midi just has to – I mean, if we're looking at 10 years from now, a D-Midi who's incapable of handling the ball on the offensive end will be obsolete. Absolutely. Because, like you said, even the most elite defensive guy is going to get beat, just like the most elite corner is going to get beat. Yeah. I mean, if you have um, Revis guarding uh, Ocho San- well, Chad, Chad, Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson. like he's not going to knock in a catch. Like, he'll get a catch. Yeah. Right? And it's like it would be preposterous to think that he shouldn't. Granted, I have no knowledge of whether or not during that real matchup yeah. he got a catch, so mm-hmm. I might be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying if you have two elite talents, there's going to be give and take. Right? 100%. So if you admit that – like there's no rationalization for having someone who can't go at all on offense because everyone's getting beat. Like you're never going to have the guy who's like, dude, he can barely cradle. It's like, yeah, but he never gets beat. No, everyone's getting beat. Never. So it's like the the D-Midi position seems to be moving into like you're probably going to like start looking at the third – and not always because it doesn't always translate. I myself cannot guard anyone. I got <laughs> caught on D a few times in the NLL. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone pulled that footage, it would be PTSD-inducing. So, so it's going to go back to so my – Guys who I think who are very good at the position due to both ways. Um, kid from Ohio State, Tara Franco, I think yeah, his name is. Good, yeah. He's freaking good both yeah. sides. And he's what, like 5'10? He's 5'10, 5'11. Horse. Hoss. Yeah. Is he American? Yeah. Or Canadian. Okay. He's American, I think. Um, Will Hoss. Yeah. Like, I think he's a freak. Yeah. Like, six foot. Yeah. They have horse, just, horse. They never get out of breath. And, uh, and probably. Um, What's his name? What's what his team? Bernhardt. Bernhardt. Burn, oh, yeah. Bernhardt. I mean. Maren, like he's. Freaks. He's a, like the whole family's a freak, but he's, the D-Midi is like, I think You know, they're from, they're from Long Beach. Are they? Yeah, they, originally. They, and, they, and they moved down to Florida, right? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. But the, he, I think he is one of those top-notch guys, guys who can like, you'd be damned if you run, you run up the field when they were in transition. Yeah. Like those are kind of, that's, that's where the sports are, that's where sport is going. Exactly. But I think that's what, but you obviously, those are, those are very unique situations. Guys at the best of their game. Mm-hmm. A lot of these D-Middies aren't those people. Not saying they can't be or aren't those people, but some guys have their flaws or some guys do this better than the others. But we have to, as coaches or our people, realize that rather than say, hey, why aren't you Ty Warner? Why aren't you Bernhard? Why aren't you like, yeah. I'm, I'm who I am. Yeah. I, I'm getting dodged, not you guys. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I want to yeah. work about me. Listen, yeah. If you <laughs> like, want to talk about Ty Warner, get him on your team. Exactly. You got me. To- <laughs> he got me right here. But people don't want, people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Well, coaches love to go, oh, we, we know so-and-so's a crease attackman. We're not going to do anything else about that. Yeah, yeah. Gibson can't, cannot dodge. Just short stick. Oh, but guess what? We'll be fine with that. But if I'm a demon that can't do that, oh, you're off the field. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, <laughs> to, to hearing you talk about it is a – I think that's the next position to have a little bit of a – like I, I like po- to see it. Yeah, like a position-wide epiphany. And granted, there's probably people thinking yeah. along the same parallel lines that we are right now. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I would assume college coaches do. They're not looking for just a one-size-fits-all D-midi. But in terms of how I think about D-midis, it definitely hits home because oh, yeah. I'm just like, just stop them, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, don't get beat. Exactly. Like, it, you know what I mean? But I think, but I think you have – and I think people listening have an idea of what a D midi is. They know, they know it ain't no joke. They they know. Oh, of course. Well, but, but we've say, gotten into exactly. yeah. Like you brought up Kevin Understein, yeah, who oh. I played with. Oh. He was he's a great he's my D-Midi. coach for a year too. I don't want to give him too much credit because he can't guard me. If you're <laughs> if you're listening, no, he could guard me. Um, but 
like, yeah, it was widely, of course, you give the Demides hard time. I mean, the, yeah. it, it's the same thing as goalie and faceoff. Like, these are the grunt positions that... Just do your job. I could never do, right? <laughs> it's like, it would only take one practice of doing the faceoff drills, so I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm all set. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't do this because it requires, like, a discipline and a grit. Mm-hmm. Same with D-Mitty. I mean, you could dodge me once, and the coach would be like, you don't have it. Like, you, I don't know what it takes exactly, mm-hmm. but you weren't born with it. So get out of here. So we always agreed that – I mean, look at, like, a D-Mitty. You guys can come down, and if you push it every time, you'd probably score, like, one of five. Yeah. But if I played D, how many times would I stop an elite? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's tough. Z- it's zero. It's I, I I would not. I, I would get run over half the time. But it it was always agreed. With, all jokes aside, that a high level attackman could not play. No, not D, close. Not close. But a high level D midi could pass as an attack. And now and now this game, they're expected to play offense. Yeah, yeah, which I love. Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I, but they're now expected to. Yeah. So, okay, so I, I, I read a lot, but like people say like a thousand, like 10,000 hours is a discipline, like whatever. And you start to lose different um, talents or attributes and other things just naturally. If I'm going to focus apparently um, on my left hand, yeah. I'm not going to be as sharp on my right hand. Well, maybe I will, but I won't be as sharp as my left hand. Yeah. Whatever. So, you're taking away something. So for D middies, people don't realize that I am now only playing defense. I am only now playing defense. Yeah. All the time. Like same thing, Fogos. Fogos, they, 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 some Fogos come into college as offensive Fogos who play offense in high school, and they come two years in, in college and forget how to play offense. All like pass the ball. Like what happened to you? Yeah. But it's like when you have a discipline, you do repetitively, you naturally lose that. So for D Mitty, now like half my summer has to be technique on defense, half my summer on offense. Well, that's absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's, and that's it's, where like put like in a, a practice, for example, when the Fogos would come down and do like a fast break yeah. drill, whatever they would do, I'm the first guy to be like, boys, you're, you're drill killers. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But also I'm the, I, I recognize that like you definitely need to do this. Yes. So like I probably should stop giving them a hard time. I never will. But it's part of um, yeah. it. Is, yeah. <laughs> but like it is true. It would be. It would be a bad strategy to ha- tell the D-Middies that they play defense so don't do any of the dodging or offensive yeah. drills because, let's be honest, like they're taking more one-on. The opportunities to go one-on-one and push it for D-Middies are more than oh, 100%. the third attack. And it's like 4v4, 3v3, and it's like, oh, I'm going. If I was the third attackman and I started pushing it, people would be like, dude, get, pull it out. Like what you're not – hundred percent. the D-Middies are definitely more in a position to do that. Especially but it's just—it's a funny dynamic because it, I'm sure there, there's crossover in sports, but it might be unique to lacrosse. Like, yeah, yeah, it might be. There, there's definitely a, something about lacrosse that has like a compartmentalization of positions mm-hmm. that is getting more less specialized. Where like everyone's going to be able to do everything. Like, think about a defenseman in hockey. You'd never tell him, "Dude, don't. Why are you in the shooting drill?" Because they play off. They're they're yeah, there. They're but there. it used to be that. Defender D middies kind of got off, and there was this weird, like almost line where it was like you're either a guy who's really good or you're a good. like the answer was there. Yeah. If you were a non-handling D midi, it was like, dude, just give it to the attackman and get off. But now that line's going to be gone. There's everyone is going to be kind of 
if you give me an opening, I'm going to take it to the hoop. And, co- and coaches almost shell at you now if you don't take it. It's like – Yeah, which I love. Yeah, well, I I, love do you it. like that about the PLL, yeah. that they they shorten the field, they made the 100%. shot clock shorter, and they're just they're – making, They're making the transition more more recognizable. Like, hey, like this, these change games. As It's almost as if – I call it like the transition almost as like special teams in football. Mm-hmm. Like no one really cares about it to take it to the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one really. You retur- oh, yeah. No one cares. And they're about like, punt. wow, you can get a lot of points off that. No one cares about punt, like punt coverage, until someone breaks one off. Yeah, you're right, though. But like, I, I, I scored two in transition. You better get your ass back in the hole. Don't come off the field. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that whole game changes now. People don't realize that. I think we don't spend enough on that. Those really great teams. That, I think Virginia did a great year this year doing that. Yeah, they're These, good at it. Well, Lars mo- Tiffany is good at that. You know, but they move the ball in transition, like always threatening. Yeah. So like even the, the game, if they, even they play, they play Maryland. They played equal five five v five. They score five goals on defense, five goals on offense, on offensive side six v six. But they won the battle between the lines. Yeah, that's where they win the game. Yeah, they did. So people don't realize that. Yeah, they're good at that. I yeah. don't like them because they beat Yale in the 2012 game. <laughs> or was it, yeah or 2019? 19, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I'll never give them credit, but they're definitely very good. <laughs> very good. Um, let's talk about the like your current job. So yeah. Your what's your posi- actual so I'm a position? I'm performance coach at Princeton. I work with men's lacrosse, uh, men's soccer, uh, women's tennis, and men's women's swimming. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what's the? How many teams is that? How many teams? Five, five, four, five, five. Do you tell them your name is Mark? Yeah, Coach Ellis. They call me Mark. They call me yeah. So. You don't drop a Tayshawn? Tayshawn, Tayshawn. I'm not going with that. I think you should. Oh, is it T or T? No, it's t- I, it's t- no you're right. You're right. Did but, I just butcher it? No, you're, it's oh. Tayshawn. But people call me. Oh, they read it. Oh, Tayshawn or Tayshawn? It's T A S H A W N. Does part of you just want to embrace that? Yeah. So wait. So what's your first name? So my first name is Mark, but no one calls me like. Oh, so your actual first name is Mark. Yeah, but. No, people, like, if you call me if you call me Mark in front of my family, my family starts laughing. Yeah, they just be like, "Who's this? literally? Who did you so, bring like, to the house?" I started embracing it in college, like, and like you know, I don't know if you back in college where you had it, but on my we have something called Solo at Stony Brook, you could change your preference or your name. So I changed my preference to Tayshawn, mm-hmm. and it was like when I said when, when the teacher from the first day of school, my junior year, was like Tayshawn Ellis, and my I was like, and my friends were like, <laughs> or my teammates were like, "What? Yeah, did you just?" They're like, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, that's my name. Like, I really did. They it. did they know that that no, was like your some name? Guys they didn't know it at all. Like my, oh, my so. close friends, but a lot of my teammates didn't. Gotcha. Okay. So like, I kind of embraced it more in college. Like, um, after my grandma passed away, I was just like, mm-hmm. I, I really got to the point where I'm just like, I'm gonna do what I, what I need to do. Yeah. Like, but I like I like my name. It's very unique. Like, so yeah. Yeah. Sense. So at, at your job at Princeton. So you're the you're the strength coach. You said four teams. Mm-hmm. Um, five. Oh, five. Five yeah. teams. Um. How does that work when you come in? Are you – so you're replacing a strength coach that was previously there. How much do you consider what they were doing? Or do you um, just come in and clean slate? Oh, so you come in, like, obviously the COVID year is a little different, but you come in and you got to make things as easy as possible for the athletes who are coming back because obviously they've been off for a while in Ivy League. So for you, you just want to make sure whoever the former strength coach is, like you want to talk to them, see, mm-hmm. kind of get an idea of where the former the team was. So you do check in you on You do check in because you don't want to come in. And just. And, cl- and clean house completely. And, I, and I'm not going not gonna to lie, I kind of did after two weeks. Uh-huh. Because I got the idea of what the guys are. Once you, after two weeks, you kind of know how they move and stuff. But at first, you want to get, get them going with the program they're doing. Um, but it's, 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 it's not difficult, but it's the biggest thing is just relationships. Like you come to new school and like, and you know that as an athlete, like, people walk in the room like, hey, I'm so-and-so. And, like, people, 
think they should just be, oh, I listen to you. And it's like, no, no, no. It goes both ways. Yeah. And I'm a big guy about both ways. I'm like, I want you to trust me. I want you. To, I want. I want. I want to trust you. But this is just because I'm a coach. I want you to drop your hands. Yeah. So you have to trust me. Listen blindly. I, exactly. Because I, I don't want that. And I, I, I want all my athletes to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Like, ask me why are we doing this. Because it keeps me on my toes, too, because I'm like, okay, why are we doing this? It makes me think in my head, okay, we're doing this for a purpose. And I, just, and I explain it to a kid, that's why we're doing it. Why are we squatting? Why are we unilateral squatting? Why are we doing this now? Why are we in the off season? And I'm like, this is why we're doing it. So all my kids, we have, we have talks almost um, once a month now, some of the gap year guys. But it's like, this is why we're doing this. This is the purpose for what we're doing. This. So I think I love it. It's been a cool situation. But it's with COVID, obviously, been everything been wild. Yeah, that's uh... – well, it's just it's interesting coming into a new job and like how how do you approach that? Do you do you look at because everyone strength trainers have their own style? Yeah, the methods. Right? The, the so if you have a totally contradict, if if you come in and you're looking at the previous guy's method, and you don't agree with it, I'm not saying that was the yeah. situation for you, but like where's the line between just being like you know what this is gone and we're gonna follow what I do and kind of respecting that maybe have to slowly do that transition. But I think you realize it, um, you hear from the kids. Yeah, what they like and what they don't? Yeah, I'm, like, cause I, I, I'm very, maybe I'm just different from what the traditional strength coach is. Uh-huh. I'm really open, like, what do you guys like to do? What do you guys want like to do? Cause at that point, they feel like- Do you, they, do you sometimes get that, like, Maybe they don't know what's best for them. Oh, yeah. 100%. That they're like, oh, the three-mile test? We don't like that. Exactly. exactly. A hundred percent. But for me, you have to understand, like, these kids, they want to win. Yeah. And, and so them, they're willing And to... them figuring out on Instagram, on what videos they send you, is them trying to figure out how do I win. Mm-hmm. It's not to say, like, oh, your, your stuff is bad. It's I always want to win. So a kid might see, for, like, for example, like, you might see a lacrosse kid come in and like, hey, I want to snatch 355 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I go, why? He goes, that kid looks strong. I go, does that, does, that make that, does that purpose of that exercise make you a better lacrosse player? Mm-hmm. It may look cool on Instagram, but that you make you say, a better. It'll help me crease dive. Exactly. Maybe. But is that, is that, is that, is that you have to judge have whether to ju- or not it's superficial or it's, whether this will exactly. translate. So yeah. I tell all my kids, I'm like, People have the idea, especially athletics coaches as well. When you see a kid, he has to look like DK Metcalf. Uh-huh. And they want to be, I want to be jacked up. I want to be, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to perform well. Yeah. You get through a, and you know as a cosplayer, you get through a season healthy, like no, no injuries. You're like, that's a great success. That's great success uh-huh. on the strength coach a lot of the time. Those are yeah. soft tissue injuries. Yeah. So when you have that and you're available, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a guy who tore my, I tore my ACL, so I come up with that with my athletes and go, hey, like, I didn't. T- I took I took my strength conditioning for granted. My hamstrings are weak. Same. So for me, it's like this is what we're gonna do. This is the purpose for it, and it's gonna make you a better lacrosse player that way. This we're gonna get to maybe eventually. You wanna be not 350 to 355, <laughs> but we may be doing the bar, get the yeah. motions down. Uh-huh. But this is the way we're gonna do it. Yeah. So now they feel like, oh, coach understands. That he gets what I'm getting, but he understands that I want to get to this point. Yeah, yeah. And now he's more invested to listen to me four years down the line. Gotcha. Because these parents, these kids come here four years. I see them mostly more than their coaches do, especially in the off season, especially if I'm traveling with them. Uh-huh. It's like they rely on me. They're, they're more open with me than any other coach mm-hmm. about their weekends, about they drink, about what's going on in their body, how practices. I yeah. get all that. Not how the coach. Recover, yeah. I get all that. I get to, I get to the call. The guy's like, hey, coach, like, I'm hungover from the weekend. 
Yeah. I deal with what that. What supplements can I take to never <laughs> get a hangover? <laughs> like, I'm the guy to do that, not the coaches. Yeah. So for me, like, the relationship between us has to be open and trustworthy. Yeah, it has to be very peer-to-peer. Has to be. Cause at the end and day, it helps that you, you know, you're exactly. a professional player. So, <laughs> so when you come in the like, weight room, he's it's better like, than me at this. <laughs> you, know? you come in the weight room and guys are like, oh, coach, I'm, I'm not, something's going on my hamstring. I'm mm-hmm. like, I take it for what it is. Like, you may have those guys who... Nurse or whatever, Scheming, yeah. but but you, for the most part, we have a good team. Those those good players, upperclassmen players, whatever it is, are gonna nip that in the butt real fast. Yeah, I don't have to handle that. So for me, it's like okay, cool. Like when I, I do sprints with my guys. If you're not feeling, if your hamstrings are tight, you're sore. You don't sprint. There's yeah. nothing away from you. Oh, I was a slacker early on. Yeah. You know, three mile test came around. I'm like, yeah, three mile feeling test. A little, feeling a little something. I think we did a three mile. Yeah, we had test, two mile tests. Don't even listen. Work. Strategically, okay. I seem to never run it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Well, I was a slacker for for a few years. I start like the I think it was sophomore year maybe where I started to take the weight room. Well, it it it's like a it's a flux, right? Where it's like, oh, you didn't have that good of a seat. You thought you were a good freshman. You didn't like look at your numbers. You yeah, you're not that good. Yeah. So oh, well, I got to lift some weights, and then it actually really paid dividends. Like I was someone who I think my my raw potential needed the weight room and needed a, a certain level of discipline that I wasn't willing to give early on. I think a lot of But ha- then, you know, I if think you don't perform, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, hit the weight room. Hit the weight room. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with confidence. I was very humble when I told my, when I told my ACL. Go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, where it's like, if you've put in the, I loved your, that the, the weight room is pure honesty. Pure honesty. You can't You lie. can either lift this or you, you can't, can't. And I can't. <laughs> you can't. You know, you, you, but my thing is when I tore my ACL, uh-huh. I was in a point where like my quad was almost shut down and you're lifting five pounds. You're freaking, you're struggling. Yeah, to get it up. A, and it went to the point like, wow, this is, like when you're going to, you, you know, you be around guys, I could bench 225, 15, 30 times. Like, mm-hmm. so do it. And you can't lie about it right yeah, there yeah. and there. But like, Let's when see you, it. you see the press, like, I became a strength coach, to be honest. I came between, I got, I got guys, do lacrosse, be lacrosse coach. And I'm like, and no offense to lacrosse coaches. Mm-hmm. I, I just might have to go with everybody. But you're giving kids sometimes false narratives. You're promising kids sometimes you'd be an all-American, you'd be the best player on the team. I can guarantee results. I can get, you come mm-hmm. to me three days a week, I can guarantee you're going to get stronger. Yeah. Not the number you might hit like you want it only 365 in one year. Sometimes it's like physically not possible. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I can tell you, you're going to progress. If you here. do this, you'll if lift you this If you do much. this, you and, stay consistent. And it might not make you an All-American. Exactly. But if you have the potential to be one, guess what? It won't hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you have that to your, I'm not here to hurt you. And you come down to people like, I'm not a big lifter. Okay, you're not a big lifter. You don't have to be a lifter. Go I'll, home. I'll you <laughs> what do you mean? You have to be a. You have to be. You have to perform well. Not gotcha. anybody. So you don't have to throw weight, or you don't no. have to be Mr. Iron. But no. it's like, dude, if you need to take this seriously, because I think that's what. If for me at least, it's like if you could give a young kid advice, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because it's not really my realm. <laughs> like I don't really like advice myself. Yeah. So it's like I do my own thing. Wh- why would I dispense it? Yeah. But if I were to, it would be like, just start hammering weights like and but under the guidance of someone who knows what they're doing yeah. don't just try to you know i want to snatch 365 yeah. it's like gibson you'll never do that <laughs> <laughs> don't just you'll blow out you'll herniate a disc yeah literally. but just like get some guidance about how to actually take basically your vehicle your body 
and maximize its potential, which I didn't do until very late. And then once I was in the pros, it's hard to do that. You know oh what yeah, I mean? like Working, I didn't have a, stuff like that. If I knew you, I would have te- I would have been one of the guys texting you yeah. saying, you know, I want to snatch three sixty five. But like, give me a program and but de- that would de- that's definitely like a huge part of becoming someone who's pretty good to someone who's like really really good. I, I think that's the big difference. Like the biggest difference when you come as a as a college as a freshman, is your strength in the sense that, like, it's not the fact that you're not strong enough, but you know that the sustainability of practicing every day yeah, at a high level, then playing in the season, beat up. Like, everybody's beat up. Yeah. Everybody has something going on. Everyone, yeah. So, for me, it's sustaining, like, hey, how can we stay sustain strength throughout the whole season? Like, I'm not here to get you freaking yoked up. Like, as much as you guys want to do that, like, Cool. Like if that that that's a byproduct. Exactly. That's yeah. a byproduct. Yeah. You come out the season. We got no hamstrings. I'm super excited. When I was at Stony Brook, and at, in the fall we had no hamstrings. I was like, hell yeah. Cause I know how much they put the work in. I almost in that kind of sport, hamstrings can happen. Yeah. So you have stuff like that, and you realize some of your strength program is working. That's one tidbit. And you tell go to a coach, and you go to a coach like, hey, we had no hamstrings this year. That's huge. No soft tissue injuries. Obviously, you have your ACLs, your broken bones, stuff you can't control. Yeah, I think so. When I mean, you can control pulled muscle soft tissue injuries as a, as a strength coach, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, so. you make it. That's a good point. Well, it's like when a guy's like, I want to get yoked, right? Yeah. It's like, boys, we're going to get yoked. Gonna but, get like, yoked. that's that's not the goal. That's, that's the almost goal. like the uh, player is saying to the coach, like, I want to be in it. Like, how selfish would it be to say I want to be an All-American? It's like – you want to win. And guess what? If we win, what might you get? Exactly. All-American. And then you, you know, that's a byproduct of, of, of the weight room because I go back to the, what I said before. Like, I, can't, I, I won't lie to you. I'm like, you come in consistently, you're going to get strong. Yeah. You will. And that confidence translates over. Yeah. You, and you and just about, knowing the, the even time. Even if you bench three, th- 185, you never bench it before you come on the, on the practice. Got a little swagger in your step now. Yeah, of you know, course. That's people me. juicing you up. I'm throwing up 160. I'm like, let's go. But like, but that translates over like this. I know, but the working. Yeah. People may think and it's like, all relative. All relative. Yeah. People are like, hey, like you're not the strongest guy in the weight room. Yeah. But no, but I'm the strongest I've ever been. <laughs> and guess what? That would works for that guy. Yeah. You have those guys in your team who are the weight room guys, and that's their role. Yeah. It's to be the weight room guy. Uh-huh. I could be a weight room guy and be a good player and mix it up, and but you, people, all people have their key, their piece of the puzzle. I say, yeah, on the team. I like that, and that that resonates with me. Yeah, that's that's, that's you. That's one. Seventy five days later. All right, so we're coming in on here. We took a little break, but we're. What is this challenge called? Seventy five hard. Seventy five hard days. Well, the challenge is at the bottom, I think. So you did. 75 days, what did that entail? Um, gallon of water. I'm going to make double checks. Gallon of water, two 45-minute workouts, one outside mandatory. Um, no alcohol, no cheat meals, progress picture every day, and 10 pages of reading every day. So I finished So I, did I – did coming here and having that beer make you break this? No. I'm, okay. I've I, I, I finished – technically I finished – let's see. I finished May 8th. I'll, I'll oh, so you've been off of it for yeah, a little while. Yeah, but I didn't have it like I, – I, I went on a splurge after that, like a beer, and I was like – didn't IPA, even do I was, it. I was, I was oh, like, you did it. So after I finished it, I had an IPA, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Where <laughs> have you been? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and it, it, it was cool, but it was one of those things. Like I was getting ready for the PLL. I was getting ready. Uh-huh. Um, getting ready for that. And 
I just gave me motivation to do it. I always work out anyway, but it was like a reason. Like, so my first workout, I'd work out, and I would shoot for an hour every day. So uh -huh. we would get to the point, like, the tough days were even, like, the weekends. But I had nothing to do. Either, like, Monday or Friday, I was working. Yeah. But at work, I would be like, I had a schedule. But, like, on yeah. Sunday, so I, if you just I have would sit there, I'd be like this. I'd have to go for a walk or walk for 45 just minutes. Just do something otherwise. Think the gallon of water was, like... The piss in my pants all day. Yeah. Did but that? Did you notice a tangible difference? Of, huge like what, difference. Th does the water just help everything? Help your help skin? Help every, your size? Help everything? Your... Everything. Like to the point. Like now, even to this day, now, like I, I'm like I'm, I'm always thirsty. I can drink a gallon, or half a gallon of water, still feel thirsty throughout the day. Cause I was so like so. Put it this right. Seventy five days, I drank seventy five gallons of water. Yeah, that's a wild amount of water. Yeah, so, but I was doing it to the point where I was like, now, like, I'm always drinking water now. Like, I have a water, I think. Oh, so you're water. in that rhythm. In that rhythm. Maybe starting today, you'll just do a gallon of beer per I day. I mean, that's the hope. We'll <laughs> 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 go me out of here. Um, so, you were, so you went to Stony Brook. You, look at this transition from gallons of beer right back into it. Um <laughs> You you went to Stony Brook and then you transferred to Hofstra. Did you know? Did you want to play pro lacrosse? What did you know about pro? No, like so, what was pro lacrosse? To oh you? God, pro lacrosse is like uh, okay. Like I was going to play. Did you know school. about it? I knew about it in college. More so when I got to Stony Brook. I mean Hofstra. I wasn't really. I think I was going to get drafted at Stony Brook. I didn't. I don't think I was being used the way I wanted to at Stony Brook. Uh -huh. I got hurt my junior year, um, but. I got to the point at, at Stony Brook, obviously, I was coached by Kevin Unterstein my, my junior year at Hofstra. Uh -huh. And obviously, him playing and him freaking throwing throwing lumber in practice. Like, this dude is yeah. just the real dude. Would he just stand? Would he practice? He wouldn't practice, but he would, like. He'd just be mean to people. You know. <laughs> <laughs> throwing. Like, he would, like, literally do drills. And he'd get to the point, like, you do, like, a drill, and he'd be, like, sitting there. And his job was, like, trying to take the ball away from him. He would yeah. rob everybody. Like, so, he's just throwing takeaway checks takeaway in the drill. In the drill, and it's like. Okay, and he, we talked, whatever, and PLS, I think the first year of the PLL. So he and, I, and after the Fairfield game, the last game of the season, we didn't make it to the, AC, the a, a, CAA playoffs. Um, I got a I got a message from on the on Twitter. I didn't have Twitter at the time. Mm -hmm. a kid named Nate. Um, he was, a, he was a freshman at the time, in the locker room before the game. I had my headphones blasting, mm -hmm. playing Fairfield, and he taps me in my leg. And I'm like, I was a captain at the time. He's a freshman. I'm like, why are you touching? Yeah. Like, why are you touching Never me? come near me. Like, why are you touching me? Like, like, and he's like, congratulations. I'm like, I took my headphones on. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you got drafted. And I was like, for what? That's hilarious. For what? Like, yeah. And for the, for, the, for the Lizards, I'm like, then, like, Coach Tierney announced it. He was like, good job, Mark, whatever. My mom called him for the game. Now I'm, like, out of sorts. I'm like, this, I'm trying to, like, this is my last college game in my career at Trying to stay level-headed. Level-headed. I'm like, now, like, Coach is like, now we got to play well now. And I'm like, because now you're d -Mitty. You're in, Don't get torched, man. They're in a league now. You're in yeah. the league now. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't like, it wasn't other, other pressure, but it's accomplishment. Like, wow, someone saw what I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's cool because Spolina drafted me. Um, he's a GM there. And I, I played for him for 91. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I was drafted by the Bayhawks. Then, actually, Joe Spolina traded for me. So we both yeah. owe our – our Spl pro professional careers to Spolina. Joe Spolina. Joe Spolina. He saw something. God, bl <laughs> God bless him. He was on the wrong things. <laughs> yeah. So what What was your experience like in the MLL? I mean, I played in the MLL too, but I didn't play. There was this – you were in a weird overlap period where the PLL was going on as well. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy that? Was that something that, that – Can I be honest? Like, like of always. So I'm gonna be I honest hope so. I want to be real honest with you. 
I was pissed that the PLL happened. Because mm-hmm. I feel like people want to use the excuse that I wasn't playing at the top of what I wanted to do. Oh, I hear Being you. a competitor. Um, not the fact that I'm, I love the idea of it. I, I want to, like, yeah, I would love to play in Just it. the fact that there was this different it proving It was the fact that, like, as a competitor, I'm like, I want to play with the top guys. Not to say the MLL guys weren't, but, like, it's always now that people are, like, the outsiders. Not that I listen to the outsiders that much, but as a competitor, I want to know whoever's on the field is the best at what they do. Yeah. Um, so, for me, it was it – was, it was a great opportunity. I didn't play until Unterstein, his brother, um, not Kevin. Michael. Michael got hurt. Um, and I played against my a first. A lunatic in his own right. Oh, God. The first, time <laughs> I, the first time I kind of go off, the first time I saw him, he breaks his shaft in the training camp. I'm like this. The first, the first he came late, whop. And I'm like this. You could throw those? Cause that it, type you, of check? Because you, you, you don't realize that in college. Like, yeah. But they were throwing, whop, yeah. Like there's over no, the head. you there's don't no call moves. a lot. It's yeah. Assault. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can do this. <laughs> it's, <laughs> can, it's, it is assault. I can do this. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I can definitely do this. You showed up like, okay, I'm okay. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. So my first game is against uh, Denver Outlaws in Mile High, and the first practice we're at Cherry High School, I think, or Cherry, whatever. Mm-hmm. And <gasps> sucking wind. I'm like, I'm not in shape. Cherry Creek is Cherry that what Creek, it is? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I well, it's, I don't think I played there. The name rings a bell. We, 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 we only practiced. So you're trying to game. breathe at that altitude. I'm, <gasps> I'm like, on my first game, I can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a hot start. I played the midi. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm freaking out. Now, um, so I get to the game. I got, I'm pumped up. I'm in the back of the bus, and I'm rocking a, a Saquon Barkley jersey. And Rob Pinnell goes to me. You think you're in the PLL or something? Because you're wearing the jersey, what the like jersey. just wearing cool shit before remember, the game. That's the time that people taking pictures and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. like, yeah. I was just like, I'm rocking. I'm from New York. I'm rocking the Barkley. And he was was he jo- he was He's saying that around. jokingly. He's yeah. joking around like it was awesome. What, you like, think you're in the PLL? Yeah, like, and it's my first game. Yeah, my first game. Like, I'm you're like, I I can't breathe in practice. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna get torched. So <laughs> so I I I'm in lock. I'm warming up. Like my mom's calling me. Everybody's calling me. I'm sending pictures. Like I'm in mile high. I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah. Um. And my jersey isn't in. Something like this. I don't have to wear 65. You wore the, you wore the burner jersey? So, so, or? so I don't have to wear 65. They blow the whistle. All right, come everybody come outside. And, that's, and UPS comes in flying. Like, like no joke. Like, like, Literally delivered the jersey. Take a picture of Ellis on the back. I'm like this. Oh, number 34. I'm like, oh, my. That's God. an amazing story. I'm like this. Before the game, I'm like, oh my god, my mom's gonna see me in 65, whatever number there was. That was like the burner, no number. In yeah, the back. I was like, they're Please. looking for you. Like, I don't see you, know, <laughs> Ellis. Where, like, where is he? It was crazy. We ended up losing, but it was. But it was, that is crazy. Was, I didn't know they actually delivered it on delivered game day. Delivered it on game day to my high, to the stadium. So they I, they hit a buzzer beater on the jersey. Oh my god, I'm like, I'm gonna be so embarrassed. Yeah, what do they call those? Maybe a blood jersey yeah, or something, blood, like, something that, like that. Where it's like, if someone was wearing that, it's a bad look because it's, it's a like, bad look. it's a bad number too. You're dressing for your first time if you get. Torch, this will be your life. Well, I can't make it a better number either. It's like 65 or 62. Yeah, you might as well put your blood jersey in like a number eight or something something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't make him so exposed that he's got no name on the back and he's wearing 64. I was like, oh my God. I'm going to get roasted wearing 64. (laughs) Gasping for air out here at Mile High. The first, and I'm going to be honest, I was really upset the first time. I went to all out of the practices. Uh I went to all of them. Uh Uh-huh. And I was fresh out of college, so I knew I was in shape. Yeah, like I, you're be- in better shape than most of the guys. Thank you. I, like I, I was like, I know I'm in better shape, but I was a rookie, 
and I didn't get the I didn't get the call first. I was I was really pissed. I went to all the games still, supported the teammates, but I was just like, well, I want to play. Like I want to play. So when I got like the next year, the, the uh, bubble year, I got the call back, obviously, and I was like, okay, now they trust me enough. And I played well. I scored. I did a lot of th- good things, but like until like you feel like you're established in the sense that like you're here, because you know how the MLL like goes. Sometimes like. If you're a rookie, they might have a guy who's better or contract-wise or preference. They don't know you. Yeah. All well, that stuff goes uh, yeah, into so it. Yeah, so, well, you know that, you know, th- yeah. this whole side of things is like because lacrosse is a a young professional sport, it's the opposite of the weight room. Yeah. And th- this is where what you said before, it's like you can either lift the weight or you can't. And, yeah. like, that's the 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 – blunt honesty of a weight room right Mm -hmm. it's like i'm not the guy who's gonna bench i don't even know what a good bench is because i'm not good at benching right it's like but you can mark me down for 160 but i was never gonna be the guy who's benching 160 i think that's too bad that's too low (laughs) Uh, i'll put up 225 once okay fine in my prime right now that would blow out my shoulder (laughs) um but professional cross is such a young sport where sometimes you know, it's like, oh, well, who really makes the team? There's a lot of connections. There's a lot of friendships. There's a lot of – but I feel like it's getting closer to, you know, with the the exposure of the sport and how good everyone's becoming, right? Very you can't good. just look at one guy and say, oh, he's got – this guy's got 25,000 Instagram followers, which for lacrosse is you're a megastar. <laughs> yeah, um, you're a starter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you can't. You're. It's becoming increasingly hard to look at that guy and give him a spot over an unknown guy that performs because the sport is getting bigger, right? Yeah. Like, money's at stake. Yada. Like, do you? Th- how far do you think lacrosse is from from becoming the equivalent of the weight room, where performance is actually what dictates um, playing time? I think. I think it'd be a while. So, and you say you you say young sport, not professional sport. Yeah, but I'm thinking about it even too. Like even hearing from the guys I was in last, like think last, it was 20 years last year for the MLL. Yeah, 20 years. Think about that. 20 years and PLL has been two years. So say 22 years. But I feel like the PLL or 21 years. Because I'm like the PLL is mature. Like the PLL is what the MLL should have been doing. 100%. And that's where you got to give credit to to the PLL. They've been killing it. Yeah, it's been like killing it. Dude, this league could be run better and like someone needs to do it they and they they they're starting to do it. So I feel like they did take a time warp jump in quality of uh the professionalism and the display of the sport. Like they took the jump that should have been made in 2010 yeah. they, they just did like a decade jump in two years so i will social give credit media, for social that social media wise it, building yeah. people like putting people understanding who the stars are i think the biggest thing with the plo is doing i think is so awesome is to establish like who the individual athletes are outside the outside the outside the room uh, and i kind of shout out the, uh, for a, like an uh, instagram guy i talked to uh, snipe magazine they do a lot of like inside scoop stuff like like NBA, M- MLL, NBA, like NFL stuff, do it behind the scenes stuff, yeah. which is pretty cool. I think the PLL does that a lot, a lot now too, because you want to get to know these athletes too. You want to sell them, but at the same time, I feel like when it comes to opportunity, it's different from the NFL and the NBA in the sense that like it's not as cutthroat or it's not as detailed when it comes to um, 
what's it called? I don't say drafting, development. I don't know what the, the word is, but opportunity almost. Mm-hmm. Like NFL, you have scouts. You have a yeah. GM who's not attached to – mostly GMs never play football, but they're business guys and understand that, like, who's better than who. Yeah. Um, who's going to be a great player exactly. and a great part so of So, look, lacrosse franchise. now, I think it's not, it's not there yet. Um, not to say that it can't be, but a lot of it's like – if we're talking about NFL, so I'm the same example. Yeah. If, for example, when I came out of college, I would be financially cheaper – and younger, more progression than an older guy, based on based on like merit. You think, okay, he's cheaper, yeah. he's fresh, but now and and he could be just as good. But in the NFL, they would give that guy the mark over the older guy. Of course, he's it's like an investment. It's in, an investment. Yeah. And lacrosse is not there yet. Uh, not say a good it's point. Wrong, not it's a good say point. it's wrong that the guy's not good enough, but like it's not business cutthroat yet. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's good either, but it's just not there yet. And it's yeah. that. If you you know that happens, you know the best guy in the best situation is going to work out. Yeah, it's all about situation. And you can put resources behind yes. someone to like build- a young player that you're like, all right, we give this guy three years of professional resources. He will be as good as this guy who's on the tail end of his career. Like football is faced with those decisions, whereas lacrosse is not there yet. Like my my question, lacrosse is how much developing are we doing? Mm-hmm. How much developing are we doing? Because well, you you're, 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 you're a freshman in college. A lot of that is developing. Coach understands that you're a freshman. You're going to develop you. You're so, you know that because you're, you're going to be sick your sophomore year, junior. You know it. Like a team, you know team two years will be really good. Yeah, you made a good point when we were talking uh, prior to the podcast about the strength and like the strength and conditioning coaches in football and how lacrosse at a, co- a collegiate level is not there yet but that that it makes sense it's like well look at a football program what do they have they have a dedicated strength they have six you said yeah. six and then interns and then but there seems to be a way more developmental approach and obviously just manpower commitment to a team itself yeah like and uh, to speak on that i think that, i think that's I, so kind of go back kind of go with what you're talking about Football and basketball, for example, have usually individual strength coaches. Football usually have anywhere at the top top five, power five schools, up to five strength coaches, four uh-huh. to five strength coaches, full-time, then like six to a dozen interns. Um, lacrosse doesn't have that. A lot of the other programs don't have that because of the money, not bringing in that kind of money. Yeah. But when you want, um, uh, when you want evidence – based on what the progression is for certain sports, you need manpower to get behind it. Meaning, for football, a lot of the stuff, they have GPS, they have heart rate monitors, they have um, technology that updates. They're measuring the neck, you said. They're measuring the necks at Ohio State every mm-hmm. day to make sure I love the point. Yeah, I love that. We're not falling behind. Yeah. It's like if you're lifting and you're eating according to There's a specific no, regimen, your neck should be getting bigger. Your neck should be getting bigger. My neck's been getting smaller for like <laughs> five years. <laughs> but that's but not – But that's, that's, that's not, the objective that, way to – But that is a, a full-thrown business. Yeah. And people think, oh, it's athletics. No, no, no. Ohio State football is a goddamn business. It's both, yeah. It's both. Like, yeah. obviously, you play the sport, you want to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's to right. the point where it's like, we're making, we're bringing in almost half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And this, whatever it is, I'm make, probably making crazy numbers. Yeah. But the college football is making half a billion dollars. Yeah. You personally, as I understand, football coaches, strength coaches, and basketball coaches, they are predominantly the reason, a lot of the reason why they develop. As much as they develop in the basketball court, but you see guys develop 
physically into his body yeah. to maintain a whole season. Yeah. Why not lacrosse? Yeah. And I think to kind of go back to where you're out of modern, Yale did a great job in the last couple of years of doing that. They, 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 they advocate strength conditioning, performance. And the kids talk about it all the time. So they're almost on the, on the, on the fast break above everybody else on the crosswalk because they gotcha. understand it. So for yeah. us, like when I'm doing at Princeton, like I want to do everything I can to make sure these kids and all my teams get the best performance, get that pro performance strength coach attitude, mentality as me. Yeah. As, as, a, as a former player, I get what I need. I, I get what people need almost as an athletic. Mm-hmm. And as much as like, oh, we like the cool gear and stuff. And, but kids want to know how they can stay healthy. What can they eat? Yeah. How can I get stronger? How can I be a better, better athlete? Yeah. They don't care about it. The gear is cool, but guess what? If you go to any place and say, hey, we're going to win all the time, we're not going to have that much gear, we're going to get stronger, go, oh, I'll, I'll take yeah. that. I'll wear a box helmet. <laughs> I'll wear that. I'll yeah. take that. But, but lacrosse has the finances and have the reputable people that can do that. So why not do it? I think Prince is mm-hmm. doing a great job doing it. That's my job. I just want to do is push more performance-based to realize, hey, we need more evidence for something. For football, yeah, it's like, like that. you don't run that 4-4. Four, four, Four five. What is your strength coach doing? That's the fact that everybody needs to do that. But you have evidence now. Yeah, and it should be like there. The, you know, there should be. And it's not like this isn't done at all. It's just like you said, the money, resources, and just the the sport is growing at a pace where it's going to become more of the norm to have a dedicated strength coach for the team, who's you know, the, all the workouts are so tailored to lacrosse. Yeah. Like, you're a lacrosse player teaching lacrosse. Like, how many times through 1980 and 2010 was the lacrosse strength coach a lacrosse player? No. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, a football yeah. player who was like yeah. everything was tailored toward raw strength. Yeah. But tailoring it more towards lacrosse is obviously going to happen. And then, yeah, the point of – if you're going to an elite coach, right, you're playing at one of these top – whether it be like – Princeton, or you're playing at Hopkins. Hopkins isn't good anymore, but they used to be. Um, <laughs> I just probably bothered a lot of Hopkins people, which really enjoys me, or really pleases me. Um, but you need to have the strength coach provide the same type of development that you get on the human and player level, right? Where it's like, you can coach the hell out of a kid, and you can turn him into the best X's and O's, but you need to turn his frame into something that's going to match that level of what he's becoming as a human and what he's becoming as an IQ type of player. Yeah. Which is an obvious statement, and that's what they do in football and other big sports, but it seems like your philosophy in lacrosse is it's taking lacrosse to that level. I think the biggest thing is there's no secret to this. And every strength coach will tell you consistency is the biggest thing. Because, for example, you finish your season in lacrosse, Probably go on a trip, mm-hmm. hang out with the boys for a summer, play play a couple of veil tournaments. You play water to shore. You you do your program, but it's almost secondary because you're playing lacrosse. Yep. We tell your coach and playing lacrosse it's not a big deal. Um, and for me, as a strength as a strength coach, as a former lacrosse player, I wish as a sophomore and junior, sophomore and freshman, I took the time to actually change my body instead mm-hmm. of playing lacrosse. Yeah. And the reason I say that, because the confidence that came with that and the durability things that developed in your game changes. Yeah. Prime example, if I, if, I'm, if I feel stronger, I'm more confident to roll down the alley a lot stronger and shoot that ball right-handed. 
Yeah. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freshman frame. I wouldn't take that because I know I'm not strong enough to yeah, do that. Yeah, you're not leaning I'm in. I'm not leaning. Or you're, or you're physically, even if you're not physically That's strong half enough, of it is thinking that you might but, be. But you might yeah. be. Like you said, we talked before. Like you, I, 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 I bench 165 today. You walk out the way. I'm going to I'm gonna bench. I'm gonna well, I love that you're you're taking 165 <laughs> but that's, that's case, so but, but my thing is I don't I don't I, walk in the room, I don't measure guys yeah the relativity all. yeah I, people think like okay I lift weights I like lift weights I don't give a damn how much you lift mm-hmm. it's all about did you lift more than you did last week it's and it's a, it's a race within yourself I know guys especially guys oh guys are so egotistic like oh so and so is benching 225 down, down four, four racks away from me yeah. but you're not him and guess what he doesn't start you play yeah well, that's – I hate to say it, but that was always a quote of ours. A, for a, yeah. A toxic quote is how yeah. many points did you ever score in the weight room? Exactly. Because that's what you'd say to guys who could lift more than you. And we're like, how much did you put up? I'm like, well, I was 3-3 three and three last game. You didn't play. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, but oh, never follow my but, example. But, 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 that th- but that thing is, like you're saying, imagine being like – Three and three, and the best guy in the weight exactly. room. Exactly. You need like, to take. Whoa. You need to take the weight. That you need to be a fiend in the weight room, like you. You I need just, to be better than yourself in the weight room, like you were better than yourself last game. But you think on about the field. But think about great people in general and what they do: lacrosse, business, um, insurance. I don't get family. Shit doesn't turn off because oh, I'm, I'm a great business. Uh, I'm gonna sit back down. Usually, guys are the guys who wake up early, do their stuff, eat breakfast, make breakfast, work out. They're mm-hmm. they're so she doesn't turn off. They're regimented. They're regimented. So for me, it's like if you're good in here, it's it's really hard for me to think you're gonna turn it off there. I'm not gonna be the same emphasis because you're not the best lacrosse player, but your technique can translate over, and I think it does. That mindset, if you really want to be great at what you do. So for me, like some of these guys who want to be great at what they do, you have to translate over. So I'm like, hey, you can't be a captain or a leader sometimes. Yeah, and we all have those guys on our team sometimes. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, he's a really good player, but he's not a good leader. I don't expect you to be the best leader because you're, you're a good best player. That's not the expectation. Know your role. Bring your piece of the puzzle. You, some people's piece of the puzzle might be the weight room guy. Okay, that's your piece. You may and just get the team riled up that way. Yeah. But you have to know your role. So for me personally, like, I don't care what you lift. I want you to bring your piece of the puzzle and make sure you're in the weight room or in the field, bringing something above yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. People, yeah, yeah. I think people, I don't think strength coaches or a lot, emphasize that more because you realize, like, t- 2021, this is the only 2021 team we had. Yeah. People want to graduate. Got, how many people on a team? 40 people? 40 people. This, this, four, this group of 40 has got one run. This is the only run. You, some, yeah. Most of them might come back, but this is the only run. And you know that. You look at senior like this. You're looking back like you're in the, you're in the, you're in the play Ivy League championship or whatever it is, and you're like this. Holy crap, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year went by fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. I got to get a job soon. So when they, and I get to the point where I'm like, hey, like, this is what we got to do. Like, I'm not going to push you to do anything. But I'm telling you, be consistent. It's hard to beat. Like, for example, like, I, I look at, I hate to do this, because David Goggins. David Goggins is a guy who fucking. Yeah, I know, I know his work. He's a nut job. Yeah. I look at his stuff every day because I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, what excuse do I have? Yeah, he's a lunatic. Have but you he, read his, his book, The You Can't Hurt Me? Can't Hurt Me, yeah. Yeah, I, I read like that. that book. So, but it's like, I must say you have to be that extreme. But you come to a point where you like, you say screw everybody else and I want, I want this. And you realize that from kids or from athletes or coaches who really want it because it's nonstop, it's almost obsession. Mm. Now, and I love kids who do that because it's like, okay, it's easy for me because I'm like, wow, I have to pull you back now. 
Yeah. I rather have to your, pull you. Your job is not motivation. Exactly. It is, it no. is limiting. It limit. I, my, my job, I, if I have to motivate you, you're in the wrong place. Yeah. You're in the wrong place. Like, I might be trying to throw up 210. You're like, the, Gibson, you're not, ex- you're not built for this. Exactly. But, ex- exactly. <laughs> but you have to be. You have to realize who you are reality-wise and have a, have a self-temperature to know where you are. Yeah. And who you are I as a be, player. Do you think just – since you've gone into college playing lacrosse, and and granted you're at different, pro, you've went through three different programs, two as a player and now, yeah. or actually, yeah, three yeah. three total because you were th- the strength coach at Stony Brook, and now you're the strength coach at strength coach at Hofstra, Stony Brook, and Princeton. Oh shoot, really? Yeah. Okay, so still three total, but yeah. I didn't know you were the. Yeah, so I was, I, was an, I was an intern. God, Jimmy Prendergast is my gotcha. mentor. So how would, have you seen that progress in the time that you've been doing it? Has it been getting increasingly specialized? And um, yes and no. So yes in the sense that God, Jimmy Prendergast from Stony Brook does a great uh, – sorry. Prince, is it very by school? Very by school. He does a great – he's been there 20-plus years mm-hmm. with Coach Tierney. So he have a, a great established um, idea of what they want and what happens there. Progression-wise, Stony Brook. He's had a new strength. I was a new strength coach there, and it was the idea of like women lacrosse. I was doing mostly women's lacrosse, yeah. place-wise. They're not. They didn't really, not that they, no one thought that. It, not that the people didn't think they needed it, but they were so good. Yeah. It was almost like a buy. Yeah. Because you're good, like oh, like that's the fact that they're training still, but it wasn't like how I, I walked in. I was like, the, the expectation of the national championship. That's what I loved about Stony Brook. I went. Now, the reason I went there, I'm like, I come to national championship. It's easy to bring a freshman up to be really good in the weight room. But a girl like Allie Kennedy got trained, the number two overall, defense uh, mid of the year this year. Mm-hmm. To make her really, really better than what she is, it's really hard. Yeah, because she's, she's good at everything. In, yeah, She's good at everything. So when I got to downstairs, I said, hour 30, I'm like, what do you want? And her thing was like, I want to I win a national championship. And I'm like, well, the mindset can't turn off ever. It sucks, but it can't. Those guys who win championships are like, throw up at least a couple guys on the team who are obsessed. Yeah, they're freaks. They're freaks. Yeah. And they're not enough to be physical, but mentally freaks. Yeah, exactly. That's like, what it takes. Mentally that, freakish. Like, more so wow. mentally than well, 100%. Of course, because the mental, it, it is a requirement for the physical. Kobe Bryant's not squatting 400 pounds. Kobe Bryant's benching. Mm-hmm. That's mind, but the mindset coming in the weight room on the, in the, on the court every day. 365 days a year, mm-hmm. that's crazy to some of us. Yeah. People think you're, you're an outlier. Mo- most people are. But it's an outlier. But it's not. It's not crazy. It's the act of doing it is crazy. Yes. Themselves, but the act of doing it and watching it is something to be emulated, right? It's not like people are like, what the hell is Kobe doing? Yeah. They're saying, damn, I wish I was like that. There's a piece of me that wishes that I had th- that level of dedication. So prime example. So I, I work out every day. Mm. And people are like, hey, like, you're nuts, dude. You don't get any days off. But for me, that's a, that's a, that's a lifestyle. This is what I do. Not like people think it's like, you're going out of your way you don't to do this. T- you don't take any day off? What no. do you do? Like, your lightest day, what are you doing? Do you do, like, mobility? Mobility. You, or, I've, I've, uh, mobility or I do, like, I have a vest on, I'll jog, and I'll walk. Uh-huh. So some days will be just that and not moving weight around. But, but. yeah, so it's kind of good back. I don't, I, I don't take any days off mostly. Uh-huh. But I'm not an athlete anymore. You're I'm, not a what? I'm not an athlete. I'm not, I'm not playing currently right but now. But you're, you're going to make a comeback. Yeah, I'm going to make a comeback. I got money P- on it. If the PLL picks me up, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but right now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not competing. Yeah. So if I was in season, I'm, I'm, I'm You would take more. More rest days in a sense. Because 
you're practicing. I don't yeah. practice. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know how much practice you got. You're lifting usually and you're practicing. Yeah. I'm not doing that. So for mm-hmm. me, it's like, this is the time for me to change my body, mm-hmm. test some things out as a strength coach. Yeah. More so than as an athlete. Because athlete, like, people You're want, your own project. I'm my own project. And I, I enjoy doing that. But when it comes to athletes and guys on college, the end goal has to be performance. Not what you look like, yeah. but performance. Perfect example. You ever see? You ever, have you recently seen Ann Rogers' pictures of him, like in the waterfall? He has a bare belly, and he's the MVP of the league. I haven't, but but he, but he looks like that. He's got a beer belly. He's got a beer belly. He's in like some fall, but he's but performance doesn't he look must like be, yeah, feeling good. But performance doesn't look like D, D, DK Metcalf. Exactly. But that's yeah. what every use a lot of coaches and players think. They go to bodybuilding.com, I'm going to do 4 by 30 reps of bench and be a sick bench presser. Yeah. Well, buddy, you keep benching 405 and see how far I get you in the lacrosse field. Yeah. Some <laughs> of my favorite players are the ones who basically are personifications of the point that you're making. That you're like, how are you good? I'm not even talking about how are you a high-level player. How are you even on the team? Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a few buddies who it's like, what? It, what's your diet? Just cut something. I don't know. Just tweak something up because you're making us look bad. Well, people, but then they're the best defenseman on the team or the best, like like you said, it doesn't look like, and I'm not Adonis yeah. himself, obviously. <laughs> I mean, like, I've, I'd probably fall into this category where people are like, dude, lift a weight. Yeah. I had a few people tell me they were worried about me. <laughs> like, dude, I'm worried about you. Have you been eating? Like, yeah, a lot. A lot. But, yeah. But that's um, the thing you got to come with. People have to realize, like, all shapes aren't equal and all th- aren't the aren't same size. But at the end of the day, like, you have to perform. Yeah. So, for me, my example, like, I'm not – I lift seven days weeks, I, and I enjoy it. It's like I just lift less. Not the fact that I'm lifting heavy every day. I just lift less. Mm-hmm. So for me, like yeah. So your day, your off days are just lifting, lifting less. less. Or, or, or I run like now. So right now with the whole like strength phase, so now I'm gonna go more like running more phase, mobility. mobility. Yeah, like I do speed. mobility every day. Like my goal by next this January is to do a full split. That's gotcha. my goal. Yeah, I do some hot yoga myself, but Vikram, I, I was I'm, that's brutal. That's sh- brutal. I'm shaking heavy. When you were yeah. talking about before, when you yeah. were like, you know, when you're lifting something, your quad is shaking. Yeah, that's me just standing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But let's let's get into the the MLL four. Yeah. So for people listening, what what was the MLL four? This was twenty twenty, so, right? So twenty twenty last bubble season in MLL last season in MLL ever. Um, we were in uh, Annapolis and only four black players in MLL. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we got down there, we kind of just kind of text each other like, hey, like. My name is Mark. Kind of introduce yourself. We didn't really yeah, know who, each other. Who were the four players? So it was uh, IDA. Yeah. Isaiah, went to Maryland. Isaiah, David Allen, uh, Chad Tolliver, Rutgers, Mitty, and Crystalline, Rutgers, yeah. Rutgers, uh, yeah, so uh, Rutgers goalie. And he's I like, went to on a trip to Japan. With okay. Chris, so yeah, he's so we were the MLO four. Um, and our biggest thing was just like making sure people knew that like didn't have to hold uh George Floyd thing that like. This mm-hmm. is bigger than us. So what we did, like, we decided to step out, not knee, not knee at, at Navy, but mm-hmm. stand in the middle of the field and just hand across our eyes and make us known that, hey, like, yeah. we are one of four here. Black people in the league. So it's pretty, it was pretty cool um, because you get to, I, got, I got great relationships with those guys. We still have a group message with those guys. 
And no, another, no one can ever take that away from us. Like, we've been through that together. Like, we talk to each other all the time. Mm. Like, Chad Tyler is one of my best friends now. Like, we talk every day. So, it's like, that kind of experience to realize, like, we're in, the, we're in a professional sport. And we're the only four African Americans. So, when a kid looks up MLL, he's only going to see four people of color. Yeah. Well, that's that, the that's, that's like wild. The, the, the Joe Von Miller thing for yes, you. Yes, is, and how far do you think that the sport has come since that you and Jovan? What year was that? Oh, uh, so he was like probably. Who was that? 2011? 2000, maybe 2011. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah 2011 because you were junior. So you graduated in 2012. 12. Yeah, 11. so you graduated high school in the year that I. I'm four years older than you. Yeah. Um, but do you feel like the sport has come a long way since yeah, then? Yeah, I think, I, think I, I'm that, I don't say that like no, pessimistically. No. Like we haven't moved. Like have we moved forward? Have we? I think we is it that big of a problem? We like, have, is it what, what is your outlook? I think on it's, the, just, it's up to the forefront now. Mm-hmm. I got the phone today, today with somebody. How much it's grown now? How normalized it is now to play with another black player because of camps and stuff like that. Yeah. Back then it wasn't accessible with obviously social media. Like you could like back then like it was hard to find a person of it's color. Good, yeah, it's a good point. The person social of, media like it's huge. has the yeah person of person of color, um and. He, him being one of the best people of color in the sport at Syracuse to message me back. Yeah, he, I told him he's supposed to come on the podcast yeah. soon, so hopefully he listens and he's. So, so that's the big thing, like to have someone message you back. Like now it's pillar cross, boom, 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 boom. Uh-huh. Like, we got, like we got on calls um, a couple months ago. What's um, a lot of the black players in college across? A lot of the pros like got together and kind of figure, like talk to them. That's the first time I've talk this. you you guys talking to the co- the yeah, college like, players. Uh, me, Jules, IDA, Romar, um, Miles, Miles, Trevor, Kyle, Chad, a number, Chris, like a mm-hmm. number of us. Got the college, talked to college athletes, like just talking to them, talking mm-hmm. shop. Yeah, but it was the first time I seen multiple on the Zoom all these black players. Yeah, in one spot. Like, yeah, it was crazy to see. So for us, like now they have that. Now you, like. And I reach out to all the guys. Like every time, like I'm a part of Blacks or Blog too now. Every time I, he posts something or we post something about a player, I don't know about. I reach out. Hey, how you doing? Like, my name is Mark Ellis. If you need anything, let me know. I didn't have Anytime that. they post about they post a young black young player, because you never know how much it's gonna impact them. And they, yeah. they look, And I don't know how, how I impacted them. Meaning, like they could not saw me four years ago, three years ago at a, at a tournament, whatever. I've seen me play on TV, whatever it is. Yeah. They have an interaction with me, but now and they know that. Hey, like. He understands what I'm going through, and he's looking out. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have that. Like that's the fact. Joe Vaughn didn't do it. He didn't want to do it. He didn't. It's. It was just a small market at that point. Like, yeah. Well, so. I mean, that's just the whole. Like, exactly. A, a player doesn't reach out to me because I'm white. They don't, right? Yeah. I don't get a message like, "Yo, I'm white too." Yeah. It's like, yeah, most of us are. Yeah. Like that. That's just the nature of the sport. Yeah. But I do feel like the sport has moved along Long. in terms of just different. I don't know what the the actual ingredients have been that have led to there being more black players in the sport and more just making it a more diverse sport. Yeah. Even going to Japan, I was like, wow, this is a – like a lot of people are playing the sport. Huge. And in the United States, like it, like I feel like since – like how many people were playing pro in – how many black players were there in 2012 oh, when, I, when I was in the league? I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. My first year in the league. I couldn't even tell you. Well, Chaz, Woodson. Christmas was still there? Uh, I don't know if Johnny was. Definitely Chaz Woodson. I think he was retired. Chad, Ch- Ch- Chaz, Kyle. Woodson, Kyle, um, 
I'm probably going to forget a few people. So those are the only two guys I can remember. Yeah. Unless you know a few others. No. But my, I rest my case. Like yeah, that, maybe maybe the Bratton's playing still. No, they no. weren't. They didn't play. But not, the, but not the year. that goes to that goes to show. IDA came in later yeah. as a as a D midi. Um, he's probably 2013. He's probably, he's probably 2016. Yeah. He, oh, he was. 17. I'm saying while I was in the league. Yeah. Like more black players started to come in, but it Miles, does seem like him, Trevor. Said, like, yeah, yeah. My, my, exactly. Yeah. Like now mainstream faces of the sport. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't know the reason. I don't know if that's the exposure or whatever, but, like, do you feel like something has shifted? Is it the social media? Is it guys I think, that you I can think look up to? I think it's access to bigger programs that help uh-huh. us. IDA, Maryland, Miles, Duke, Trevor, Denver. Yeah. They all won national championships as well. Yeah, yeah, like. They're very good players. Yeah, not not your average. <laughs> not your, not not your, your average, average Joes, regardless, yeah. color or not. Like, uh-huh. they're very good players. Yeah. So for for uh, for a lot of black people, it's like wow, they got this program. You didn't have that like before, and if you did, you didn't get exposed to it. And the most person probably was obviously everybody's favorite player, Kyle Harrison, mm-hmm. or or Jovan from Syracuse. Oh yeah. Oh, Jovan was in the league. So, jo- so I, I, Jovan. I, I, yeah. Well, but like other than that, it was like you couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't touch those guys. I couldn't like honestly, I couldn't fathom me playing with another black player. Uh-huh. So I got to the league, and I'm like, oh, you're black. MLO, let's go back to MLO four, and it was like. We are this together. This is us. Like we can impact a lot of things going on. So we, 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 we argue sometimes about like what mm-hmm. we wanted to do. Guys, some guys wanted to knee at first at, at Annapolis. Some guys didn't. Some guys wanted to do certain other things. But we made sure that what we wanted to do is going to be together. Yeah. What, Regardless. What, were you got? What's the, like, what was the stated goal? It was just a show of solidarity. So, is the show of solidarity that we're, we're. we're we want more action being done. Yeah. And obviously... What with, does that action look like? Um, With Sandy Brown and stuff like that. And that was a whole debacle there. Mm-hmm. But but now that that league's gone, like moving forward, what are we... What, what do you think is we the, want, we the want, route we want, forward? We want, we want more diversity in sport from the youth level. Uh-huh. We realize that all the younger... You know these, these build-up programs, a lot of these programs are mostly white. Yeah. And I'm not to set the fact that it's wrong for that, but the sense of like... We just sometimes, as a coach, sometimes need to say, hey, like, we maybe need to bring somebody else with us. Like, yeah. realizing that he may, not have the, he may not have the money, but you're making 35000 off this tournament. Let this one person of color put and experience something uh-huh. that he's never experienced. At the same time, it's like, hey, like, you open, lacrosse can open up avenues as much as they don't get it. There's tons of athletic people waiting to play or open to lacrosse. He's never know it yet. God forbid once lacrosse gets more to the inner city. Well, that's this is what I wanted to ask about. It's like It is scary. What is the perception of lacrosse? So, I know what it's like as a white person Expensive. that played lacrosse. So, is that what it is? Expensive. Like, it's a white boy sport. Yeah, so like your buddies from Hempstead, what, what, what if you play lacrosse? What are they? What are their so, comments so, so on? That? They're them, like you're playing lacrosse. A lot of them played lacrosse, but they saw no. There's nothing. It was like played across the middle school, maybe a little. But high it, what, they didn't see it as a long term. No, they didn't see long. They didn't see it as a college investment. Uh-huh. And they didn't. They didn't have the opportunity as other coaches or the, sorry, other players to be exposed to like these Mark Millen camps, these yeah. um, blue chip camps. Because uh-huh. they play. So for me, like I grew up in Garden City. I, I grew up in Garden City. So like coaches were there. Like, so for me, it was just like, just so happened to be in the right place, obviously at the right time, being at a good program. 
but the exposure. It's one thing for football and basketball because it's like people are looking in places, sorry to say it, people of color for those sports. They see those sports inner cities, football and basketball, and they most likely look up there. It's hard to look at inner cities and go, hey, I'm going to look at lacrosse there. Yeah, well, that I mean, that it, as the sport grows in, like, inner city and black areas, yeah. I feel like that's a chicken and an egg thing where oh. coaches will look. I'm just curious about, like, what is the, the perception of black people to look like what do they think about lacrosse and i, I don't mean that as like, like in a, general it, it doesn't have to be a generalization that every it, black it's, person it's, is going to think about lacrosse the same way it's white and expensive we're not welcome that's what it you is think, you think that is yeah i do know it you, is in your experience do you think that is that, that that that's have I've you been, gotten that vibe out of lacrosse like, so I'm gonna, tell, I'm gonna tell you a story and okay. i don't know if it's gonna be really extreme but i thought like so my, my i hope it is so my, my best friend ryan norton um and so Kind of go back. My family, my mom moved from that block, uh-huh. Don City, and I moved with my best friend and, and his white family. Um, uh oh, is this an extreme racist story? No, no. So, so uh, Gar- I said I hope the story is, and I'm like, wait. And Gar- Gar- Garden City. Okay. And I tried out for a team. I tried out for a team, a summer team, and this one. of The parents go, and his mom, my boy, my best friend Ryan. Ryan Norton's mom paid for my, my tryout. Mm. And this, this Caucasian parent said, why would you let him try out and take your kid's spot? That was, why would you let him try, why would you pay for his tryout? He's going to take your kid's spot. That's a good, definite sneaky compliment. <laughs> Where you're like, yeah, but I like, am going to take his spot. It was the sense that like, I was like. Yeah, a black kid was going to take a white kid's spot on the team. Was, it was, is that what she meant? And she, and she, and she goes, she says. Since when does he play in the sport? Wow. And this and this mom, my best friend's mom, was yeah. like in awe. Because you don't hear you don't have these like you don't Yeah. Why would she say that with and what do you think anybody she, else? And what, what do you think she meant by like what, what do you think? It her was just like it's a, was? it's a fear thing in the sense that like maybe people think because black I'm athletic. Uh, I was mm-hmm. athletic. Not to say I, I wasn't, but the potential of me playing lacrosse being very good at it is very different from other people's. And it says that, like, in the black community, there's a lot of talented athleticism. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of the beast. That's how it is. When it comes to football, basketball, it's just, just somebody's waiting yeah. for, for example, Tiger Woods, an iconic figure to open the door. And that's what Kyle Harris did. Miles mm-hmm. Jones, the yeah, guy, yeah, big yeah. dude. Yeah. Recently, and people don't give enough credit for him, Miles Jones with the swagger things he does. He brought a different element, like whoa, this lacrosse is back. Because obviously yeah, yeah. they're years apart, but that's well, but what, no, it was the, their that's the their, culture of kids, their own generations. Exactly. There's Kyle, and then there was Miles, and but you couldn't help but be a fan of both of them. But you look at it, and you got to realize, like these kids are impacting the culture of lacrosse. Exactly. So when you see that, some people don't like it. Some people think it should be the old way it is. But the way the way it's going is people of color, minor are coming playing lacrosse. Mm-hmm. We just give it the same opportunity. So when you when you go to some of these camps, it's almost as if, and maybe it's a fault, not to fault of anybody's, but this kid's not developed as much because he doesn't have the access to coaching at the way this this Caucasian yeah, You didn't does. start until seventh grade. Yeah. So. so for me, it was like I was and, in Garden City, and you came in as a good athlete, and Johnny's exactly. mom was like, oh, "I didn't know he was." The amount out. of kids that are was better than me in high in college, in high school, and middle school that you over. 
oh, was yeah. dramatic. Yeah. They call they they say they say they're going to Garden City. They call me like cause I was on the the combo team in Garden City. What's what's that? So it was the mix, the team that you didn't make senior, the, the eighth grade team. Or the seventh grade team, so they put those the worst kids and put them on a combo team. Mm. So I, I was the combo miracle. So I, no joke, <laughs> was I was that com- the actual nickname. Combo miracle. The combo miracle. Because I went from because coaches love that. But yeah. my, my high school coach loved that because it's like he was not good at lacrosse. Mm-hmm. But literally, mm-hmm. like before practices, my coach Flatley, he would put me on the wall. He'd be doing like ground balls. I was on the wall thirty minutes, just working. Working. It was like you already had the athletic element. He's like, no, 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 no you're not shooting. You're gonna do the wall. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You're the wall. Yeah. Like every break, it was the wall, and I hated it. But it was a point where some coaches on summer down with the money with summer teams. They don't do that. There's no development. It's easy to bring a kid who's really good to develop. Okay, he's good. We can win a championship here. But to unlock some of these play people of color that they keep at this spot because their athletic is their athletic does so much for them mm-hmm. that, that they don't need to work on that skill part. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like when across as a as a. Me seeing from a from a black looking at a Caucasian view, a lot of these kids are getting coaching from different coaches, from guys who play D one, D three, D two, great players, coaches who coach these kids in inner cities. There's there's rarely guys who come back who aren't white that do that. Yeah, it's a measure of the beast. Yeah, and if there are, like we talked about it, Miles, we talked about back when you were there, Miles Jones, Jovan, Kyle, they'll be say those three were in the league at the time. The only Chaz three, was the, Chad, was the other. There, only, there probably is the, others. Let's say I'm, 10 people in the league. Okay. There are only 10 people that could go in inner cities that look like them. Yeah. Only 10. Yeah. So it's like how many, how much can you do? Yeah, it's hard to. So that's the biggest thing. When you have someone who can relate to you from the, from the, from the fact that they know how, the way you ha- how you brush your hair to the lotion you put on before games. People that you, have, like, you pick the music you listen to. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fact. They they have a connection with, and that that's the complicated nature of not right. It's like eventually we would like race to not matter, not only in lacrosse but everything. Everything. Right? It's like that's, but they're not going to relate to me when I'm coming in. I got SPF eighty. I'm loading up. They're like, who is this? Like, they're going to relate more to you, yeah. right? Especially given the fact there's not a lot of black players in the game. Yeah. Like, and that's what like. The the Jovan story is so special that like special. You, and you like how do you take on that pressure of I wouldn't call it pressure the the privilege of being like one of the few black players in the I game love it. where there's everyone is watching I, I love it in the sense because I know what it feels like when Jovan tweeted at me my I felt like a kid in a goddamn candy store mm-hmm. the best thing since sliced bread like these yeah. kids are all American like why me and yeah. it motivated me. It motivated me. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, like those kids in the stands after the MLL games, you throw your stick up or your helmet. You're like, oh my god! Yeah, you changed my life. Oh my god! It's like this. But I made sure at every MLL game, I went to the the black the the the, the group of black kids. Mm-hmm. I gave them a ball and I spent my time with them because mm-hmm. the majority of the kids they were white. Not the fact that oh, I didn't spend time with them, but I knew it would ch- it would change their perspective. Those people of color, of they looked at me and go, wow. Yeah. And obviously, they get older to know my story. Like, this kid is not – this isn't a yeah, cut of kid. Yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. isn't – he, like, it's hard for me – it's hard for people to come to me and say, like, they don't – I don't get them. 
Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, have a, I have a brother who's incarcerated. I have a dad who was never in the picture. I have a mom who worked double shift. Like, mm-hmm. I moved. I got adopted to my other family. Yeah. I went to prep school. I tore ACL. Like, and you're I, the strength coach at Princeton. Now, now, and I'm a strength <laughs> yeah. coach at Princeton. Yeah. So, for me, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. How can we get? How can we progress? How can we get it done? Yeah. Do you think lacrosse is, like, because there's been some story. There was a story this past year about some racial slurs. Do you think lacrosse has, like, a racist... I, I don't know. I, I myself, who am I to speak of it? I've I've played with black players. Yeah. I've played with Native Americans. I've played with. It's tough to give my perspective on it because it means nothing. Um, I I am of the majority, mm-hmm. so I have no. It's not racist at all. Yeah. Meanwhile, you could be like this guy literally knows nothing. But do you think that lacrosse has a racist problem, or I, is your answer yes? I, I think lacrosse needs to grow in the sense that being more open to different do you think kinds that, of people. Do you think that that's particular to lacrosse, or do you yes. think that that's oh you do? I think it's particular to lacrosse. Oh, I think okay. lacrosse is exactly what society is. Well, that's what I mean. Like people are saying that lacrosse has a long way to go, and I'm like, lacrosse is just a little world and th- this is how I feel yeah Soci- yeah society has a long way to go so you get a, a rare instance of racism in lacrosse and I feel like lacrosse has this stigma of white prep school so that gets like hyperbolized but I just feel like there's just a couple bad people out there in general where like I, don't know, I feel like lacrosse is on a decent track but you, you have a way better idea so, than me uh, and I'm, this, is, this is me Taking thinking off the top of my head, so if you want to take it how it is, take it how it is. But how many of how many players of color are like me in this sport? Mm-hmm. In the sense of that's gonna come from my background or do exactly what I. But isn't cookie cutter like? like yeah, I think uh, I think none. But 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 a lot of kids that I wouldn't say up, none. That's yeah, that's, that's not even me. Not. At the professional level, it's 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 very it's fewer. Than how people. many at the pro- professional level would you consider are like you? Yeah, um, I think in the sense of. My, my my background, not, uh-huh. not very many. Yeah, so it's you and maybe a few others. Yeah, maybe a few. I know, I know yeah. guys who went through the trials, tribulations, and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But a lot of lacrosse kids now are are, are, are I've I've messages from numerous messages like Mark, like my brother's going through the same thing, or my uh-huh. sister, and I'm like, wow, because he's going through a younger age than me. Mm-hmm. I did I did I went through all this a lot of this stuff when I was like 19. I was out of, almost in college, like. These kids are 16, 15 years old. Like, I'm just like, but that's the stuff that you have to realize, like, it's another stepping stone to mm-hmm. what you want to do. And people have to realize that, like, it's not going to always be easy, but the sense of community that I'm trying to create with Blacks or Blog and myself reaching out to kids, it's not about, like, me standing in the picture. But I know, I know it in the sense of, like, how can I be a mentor to some of these kids? I didn't have a mentor. I know much yeah. in that in that mentorship, to even for small questions like, coach did something to me. Is this an issue you think? Or am I bugging out? Because <laughs> yeah. you have those in your head. Yeah. You're the only black kid in the locker room. They wanna they wanna rap songs with words in them that they can't say, and it's like, yeah. why can't I say that? And it's like this, you're in a situation like you free sometimes. I think and you're wondering if you're if am you're in I, the wrong, I, or exactly, yeah. But you have no one to bounce that off. And, it's hard, and I say you don't have, but it's hard for even a, a white player to understand that or go to a coach. So this whole thing with George Floyd, no coach in the in the, in the college across head coach can understand that because they're not black. Yeah, well, that's where it's just 
Not, you, you understand a lot of you, – you can see – You can conceptualize it, but that's like me being like, does look – I'm never going to be the person to answer what it feels like to be a black person but guess, in But guess sport. what? You know, you notice that a lot of the college football guys, head coaches, basketball guys did it. And the reason why, because most of the teams are black. So, yeah, most of your teams are black. You better be damn sure you realize what's going on. It's no, it's no, it's no, you can't hiccup. Because you make your money, it's hard to say, of a lot of these black athletes. Mm -hmm. And lacrosse, it's almost like, we don't really need to handle this right now. Mm. I didn't think about that, well, but again, it's but, because I'm white. So, you're you, thinking about that heavily. You know, it's like, I'm thinking about it heavily. Like, what's the instant? How we make That's why NBA did yeah. so well. Like, NBA was like, I'm going to cancel the season. At one point, because it's like, but in NASCAR, they weren't thinking about canceling the season. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but, but just the con – like, but it's serious. that's a white sport. And are there any black NASCAR drivers? One. Uh, Bobby and Ben Wallace? No. Something Wallace. Bubba Wallace. But you're right. That's Bubba that's a white sport. Like, they're not thinking about <laughs> how are we going to – yeah. They're how not are canceling. We gonna, they're not, no friends. They're not canceling for George Floyd. Yeah. For, for football. Basketball is. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's the idea – of what, what people go through, people don't relate to. Not the fact that it's just your fault, because I don't expect you to realize you're not black. But I want you to, like you're doing the perfect example of this understanding what is going on and try mm -hmm. to understand what's going on. When you don't have that, people are like, oh, it's not a big issue. But you're not me. You, go, you, can, you can never, and I say it all the time, if you're a lacrosse player and you ask those same, oh, I, can, I, can I sing this song in the locker room? You would, if, as a starting quarterback and you're Caucasian in a football locker room, you won't ask that question. Yeah, you got a better understanding of <laughs> you your won't environment. You won't ask that question. Yeah. And I'll think of a scenario where how many people are in the room. Things change. Yeah, it is, it's it's a true it's a, it's a it's a sad truth, but that's what it, you won't do that. But it's just the culture of the car. I think you just need more people of color in it. Exactly. Just to start changing yeah. more things. That's what that's what they're doing. Now. Even looking up your story and your your family's story, like. There's not a lot of black people in lacrosse, no. right? So, and even just your starting point, like your birth, what what happened before your birth? Like yeah. that—that's your your heritage, yes. right? Like that's not—I don't have that heritage. Yeah, I don't have. I'm not born into you. Both your your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents. Yeah. There's a level of struggle there that like. I'm going to ask you about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you I understand it, yeah. but I'm going to, you know, here we are so having but, this conversation. But, where, but, but that's what it goes to. Like, people have to realize the, the, the difference. I'm going to steal this from Denzel Washington. The, di the difference isn't skin, it's culture. Mm -hmm. Like, my culture background is different from yours. My culture is different from Italian to Irish. The food we eat, the way you brush your hair, things you say, things. That is a cultural difference. The cultural difference isn't the same. So when you walk in the locker room, the cultural difference is more Caucasian, more Italian-based, Irish-based. But when I come into a football locker room, I can walk in. I know I can feel at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like, no, you, have, you know you walk into a situation where you know people are like you. For sure. And I think that's an interesting, like, moving forward, once you have all cultures in every locker room. Like, to be, to be honest, if I was a white dude in a basketball locker room, I'd probably be like, shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I am the outsider. Yeah. So things move in flux like this, where, you know, 
hopefully moving forward in lacrosse, there's like a a bit more balance where. So like a, a quick a quick story. I got the Stony Brook and I and I wore a do rag and I wore it in the locker room and someone goes, "What are you wearing?" I would never get that in a basketball locker room. Yeah. Or a football locker well, but, room. But like, a, why are you wearing that? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like. It's called the do-rag. It's like, oh, what, you try to look, you're trying to look thug? I'm like this. <laughs> not trying anything. But that's that's the cultural barrier. Some of these guys I, I talk to, like, and people, and very, very, like, naive don't know. Like, I, I live with a, a white roommate, and they're like, yo, Mark, why do you do that? And they're like, oh, shoot, this is why you do that. It's a oh. cultural difference. Yeah, I didn't realize. But like, but like you don't realize that because you think like, from a haircut, it's like oh I get a shape up, I get a, I'm brushing my hair. Why are mm-hmm. you doing that? Tell me about the as we round yeah. things up here. Yeah. Tell me about the the Bobby Schmurda. So Bobby yeah, Shmurda. so like uh, obviously Bobby Schmurda got released from incarceration and. So Bobby Schmurda's a rapper. He's a rapper. There's probably a few people here because yeah, the sport's primarily white. <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby Schmurda's like, a rapper. Bobby who? He said he said hot. Hot boy, um, a couple years ago. So, um, we left him one day, and I, and I bump it, and uh, the guys are the Princeton so this guys. Is pr- Princeton this weight room is it? <laughs> is it just the the men's lacrosse? Men's team lacrosse team on a Saturday, and you um, put it on the and guys are bumping, dancing, feeling <laughs> it. And it's hilarious to see because you realize people think this idea. Obviously, Princeton people are like so clean cup. These are kids, man. Yeah, they're listening to the same boys, music, yeah. and I'm playing to like yo play pop smoke, play this, play that, and it's like the culture. It's a ra- there's no clear cut culture between catchy's catchy catchy's catchy yeah colors not matter so I think they they walk in and coach and some of the coaches walk in like well, guys are so excited today go Bobby Spurter got released yeah Bobby <laughs> <laughs> all all the white kids yeah, yeah. are <laughs> they're bumping but but at that point I'm like they know that Coach Ellis is like he's uh-huh. in tune he gets it like. He's invested. Like, yeah. I know what makes them happy. I get what they're – and that's, that, that's the cool part about it. At the end of the day, like, yeah, X and O's are cool. But when a, when a guy calls you coach after five years out of, out of college, you know you made it. Yeah. That's the cool part. I have guys call me coach now. I'm like, jeez, I'm 27. You call me coach? Yeah, like, I'm old. I, you know what I mean? Like, but I'm like, jeez, I'm 27. The guy's calling me coach. He's, and, he look, and, he, and he looks for you for every answer physically. Yeah. Nutrition, food. And he's like this. It's sometimes nerve wracking. Like, Coach, what is that Bobby Schmurda CD called? <laughs> I get that all the time, Coach. I, yeah. My goal for the guys at Princeton, I try to once a week for when we're in season, like out of season, I try to put on one song a week that could bump on a weekend. There you go. So I was trying oh, to, so like to figure songs out. So I, I like play that. like this. Coach, what song is that? I'm like this. Oh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so is... literally, I'll go to my job. I have like a 30 minute commute to Princeton from where I live in Jersey. So I'll, I'll, I'll hop on, like, I got Spotify now. I hop on, like, rap or, like, new new joints breaking down, whatever it is. And I play, not no, no, any music. And I was click through, click through, click through. I'm like, oh, this one's on a banger. So you just picturing it in the weight room and also so, the so fraternity play, house. And I play it, and we, we, we have a thing called, uh, we use Team Builder on, for, like, our apps and stuff. Uh-huh. So guys would be on Spotify, on Shazam, like, oh, in the air with Shazam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I'll tell you guys later. Don't worry about it. That's so, the full circle story, oh, yeah, so though, the, of yours awesome. where you're putting on Bobby Schmurda. Oh, yeah, at All Princeton. the Princeton lacrosse boys are. The coach is like, wow, they've never danced like this. They 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 looking like they got some rhythm. Like <laughs> the boy just got here. Coach is here. Exactly. Yeah. He's been All awesome. Right. Well, that, yeah, thanks for chatting with me. I no, think I we're, appreciate we're, it, man. We're, we're running out of time here. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Austin's Thank hopping you. on a train, but that was, this Baltimore, has been fun. Go. I mean, we could have kept going for like three hours. <laughs> exactly. I see him starting to move around, and I'm like, oh.